0: It is Tuesday night, the very first Tuesday of 2023. The Wise Guys are back uh, a little older, a little wiser, we hope. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, I'm here. Blaine's there. we got a big show tonight. Blaine, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Dave. I'm, I'm sorry we don't get to be together tonight.
1: You're in one undisclosed location in Provo, <laughs> and I'm in another undisclosed location in Provo for safety reasons. Seriously, you can't disclose either place.
0: If the FBI had any idea what was going on, they'd be all over us. But uh, they don't know where exactly. we are. They don't know where we are, and so it's the it's not only just Happy New Year; it's Happy Big Twelve Year. It is all going down in this calendar month, and it's such a big deal. And there's certainly a buzz on campus. Uh, And now everybody's getting ready. The spring sports still have a a year to go uh, or a season to go in the WCC. But but everyone's got an eye on July 1st.
1: Yeah. And, you know, everyone basketball is just about ready to get going here. Full bore into the WCC season. So there's still that. um, And and we're waiting for that. But when football finished that bowl game, it felt like we were just turning a page because we all know the football rules. We love basketball. It's a big deal. But football is the really big deal that right. brings in the money and brings in the big crowds and has the biggest following. So when that SMU game was over, it just kind of felt like, okay, now it's, that's it. That's the last football game. And, and remember the basketball team has been in a league in the WCC. Football's had this whole independence run yeah. and it just felt like this is the end of an era. This is the end of a, a, a period in history that we're all going to look back on and, talk about and dissect. And I think we're going to look back on it and say it was, it was, it was a good thing to go independent, but, but it feels like it's time. It feels like the football program is already in the big 12 right now.
0: Yeah, it is exciting, and we've got a big show tonight. Let's uh, let's tease it here a little bit. What's coming up over the next little bit? Uh, as mentioned, the Cougars getting ready for the Big Twelve. They've got a P five quarterback to lead them. We're going to talk about Keaton Slovis and former Cougar Ronnie Jenkins is going to join us in just a few minutes and weigh in on BYU's future in the Big Twelve. Can they run the ball in the Big Twelve? We'll ask Ronnie Jenkins. <laughs>
1: They'll be fun. One of the fastest players that ever donned a BYU uniform is going to be on a show with us. I'm pumped to talk to Ronnie Jenkins. How about this BYU basketball team, Dave? They're taking a seven-game winning streak into the new year. Yeah. And and who to thunk it, it when they were at 500 early. Um, why this week will be a significant test for them. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And and it, it, this week has to prepare them for a really really big game. Big game the next week, which we'll talk about. And everybody knows, not this week, but next week, BYU plays Gonzaga.
0: To get us ready for that, Jimmer Fredette's going to join us next week ahead of the Gonzaga game. He'll be on the Wise Guys next Tuesday, so circle your calendar for that one. Lauren Gustin, a double-double machine, continues as women's basketball prepares for a Saturday showdown against San Diego. They're starting to figure it out.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Lauren Gustin has been the most consistent thing out there um, sometimes it feels like she's gonna get every single solitary rebound in the game. <laughs> I called the women's game a couple of weeks ago, and early in the game, I thought, "Is anybody else gonna get a rebound in this game?" She's been phenomenal, and this team is getting better and starting to understand the rules. So we'll talk about that preview of the San Diego game. Um, it's it's time for one of the biggest shows on campus: men's volleyball. Um, BYU head coach Sean Olmstead will be here with us just days before the Cougars' season opener. Be great fun to talk to Sean and that environment in the field house for men's volleyball is off the charts i mean it is an event they have it, it with great tradition and you know top teams in the country coming in so we're excited to preview the season with sean
0: yeah and when it's snowy outside and cold like it is you know volleyball's going down and sometimes it seems like they throw out uh, free pizza for the students. They fill that place like nobody's business. And that, that all fires up on Friday night. So we got the head coach in here tonight. Our headlines, and let's go right to Keaton Slovis. He can't wait to get to Provo and get started on his final year of eligibility as quarterback at BYU. He's transferring from Pittsburgh after spending three years at USC. And he gets here later this week and is going to start throwing with the guys. Uh, we've had a few days to digest this. We've talked to him. Uh, how big of a deal do you think it is?
1: I think I think it's a huge deal. And, you know, he, he went back to Pitt um, to play for a quarterback's coach and an offensive coordinator that ended up not being there by the time he got there. And they weren't prolific offensively. Thought it was going to be a great move. I just remember the Keaton Slovis' his freshman and sophomore year at U- USC yeah. where he was the best player in the Pac-12. He was the Pac-12 freshman of the year, thrown for a bazillion yards. He was first-team all-Pac-12 the next year, um, you know, and things change, but isn't it funny that both he and Jackson Dart, who are phenomenal players are no longer at SC with coaching changes and the guys bringing their own coaches and transfer portal and all that. But I'll I'll say this. He's got a pro style arm. He's got a pro style body. He's got a pro style skill set. And Aaron Roderick is going to love to take advantage of the skill set that this guy has. He can make every throw on the field. And BYU's got a great receiving core coming back, so this is going to be fun.
0: He told us on BYU Sports Nation that John Beck, Zach Wilson, and Jaron Hall all played part of his recruitment after Zach's big COVID season in 2020. Uh, Slo- uh, Slovis calls Zach says, hey, who are you working with? I'm kind of nursing my shoulder back and this and that. And Zach says, well, let me hook you up with John Beck. And through his relationship with John Beck, he meets Jaron Hall and and so they go through this process and, and, you know, it was a lot of drama on the outside as is, is Hall going to come back or is he going to go to the NFL? turns out there wasn't that much drama and Hall actually waited on his announcement so that Slovis was ready for his, so they could just go one after the other. I, I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. The fact that they coordinated that is a big deal and, and talks to the, the research that Slovis did ahead of time and, and the reason that BYU was so high on his list. You know, I talked to Keaton a couple weeks ago at practice. You talked to him at length on Sports Nation yeah. this week. Uh, but I met he and his folks at uh, um, in, in practice a couple weeks ago, and I said, what what are you thinking about BYU? And he goes, well, he goes, I want to be in a place that will help develop me into what I hope is a really good NFL quarterback. I want to be in a place that throws the ball in an NFL-style offense that has an NFL-caliber offensive coordinator calling the plays and we'll take advantage of my skill set i was like whoa he just said all the right things yeah i was like immediately i start recruiting him like, yeah well then you definitely need to come here um and and he mentioned that he's just he's from scottsdale back in pittsburgh you know pittsburgh's a nice city but it's not it's not out west like he's used to and so bYU is right at the top of the list for all of the you know, the relationships that he already had forwards, but also style of offense and the way they produced NFL quarterbacks the last couple of years. So really cool. You know, um, he mentioned in your interview, Dave, I, I thought this was great, that his dad was really impressed with the free ice cream <laughs> that they got in 2019 when they were playing. So his folks were here watching the game and, um,
0: and that, was a the alumni relations day.
1: always takes the opposing fans ice cream. Yeah, And he mentioned that.
0: I think that's cool. It was a super hot day. We were down there on our, on the field set. Uh, the game goes into overtime and BYU wins. But you're right. And, and uh, so now all of a sudden the idea of kicking around BYU as a possibility pops up. And there's Keaton's dad going, I love that place. Those guys, are, the fans were so nice. They brought us ice cream. And, uh, and he said his dad just fell in love with Lavelle Edwards Stadium and how they were treated. And, and uh, you know, sometimes we poke fun at ourselves on how we treat other people with too friendly. Everyone says, well, you guys are too friendly. We're coming to a football game, and, and everyone says, welcome, and, and there's not, not any swearing. Um, there's no one drunk. Uh, and when you leave, they wish you well as you leave. And, and, and sometimes in the visiting section, well, all the time in the visiting section, ice cream gets delivered. And now uh, all of that is justified because BYU starting quarterback heading into the Big 12 <laughs> His parents were a recipient of the ice cream and they loved it. And who knew when they were eating it, they were wearing USC colors. And now when they come back this fall, they'll be wearing BYU colors.
1: You know, what, ba- back in the old days when there wasn't a transfer portal and when there wasn't an ability to transfer without penalty of having to sit out a year, you know, maybe all this stuff wasn't that important, but BYU was visionary. Treat your opponents with respect and love because they could transfer in in a couple of years. That's the motto, right? <laughs> exactly. So BYU was way ahead of their time. And everybody you talk to that comes into the, the environment at BYU opposing teams, they always give feedback saying, wow, that place is class all the way. The way we were treated, the facilities, the home environment, all of that um, are top-notch. And you know what? That has an impact on athletes, and the transfer portal's a big deal now. You bet. D- Dave, you remember when you and I went – to that BYU Nebraska game? Yeah, and and we came away from the Nebraska game saying the same thing. Like I was, I've kind of been a fan of Nebraska ever since we went there, and and did our broadcast there from the sideline, because the way we were treated as a visiting team, the class that they showed, the incredible home um, field environment that they created, I'm, I'm kind of always rooting for them. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Especially right. when you're winning games. And, and I think that, that that's what BYU has and made a huge deal in this situation because they got Keaton Slovis.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Uh, the, our trip to Wisconsin wasn't that great. And that's what we remember no. from the Badger. Uh, I don't root for the Badgers. people. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> our trip to Michigan was so-so. Uh, let's see, we we're at the Superdome. That was cool, but neither team really had jurisdiction there. Notre Dame was cool to us.
1: Yeah. Our trips to Notre Dame were, were always good, right? Yeah. And so yeah. – um. We're always complimentary of, of Notre Dame as visitors that went there. And I think I think that's what you want. You want to be like Nebraska and like Notre Dame. And other teams want to be like BYU. Uh, and it's always mattered because you want the perception to be good. But it matters even more as as kids are moving all over the place and transferring in. You want their parents to remember when they came on the road and go, well, what about BYU? That place was an amazing home field environment. What, what about BYU? And that's exactly what happened with Keen Slovis.
0: Yeah. Pretty cool story. Everything everything helps. Jump on our live stream tonight and say hi as we head into the new year. Uh, my grands- grandson's already popped on and said hi, even though he can't speak yet, but his parents typed it in. Uh, and uh, we invite the whole world with us. Cougar Nation is f- far and wide. And, and, uh, and our live stream, YSGuys.com, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, can reach everybody. So, uh, let us know where you're watching, listening from, and and if you have a question for Ronnie Jenkins, he's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Jump on there and and uh, and and put it on there, and we'll try to get it asked and and uh, and go from there. Cougars are working on their depth, but as it stands right now, with Slovis and Aiden Robbins, who's transferring in from UNLV, a thousand yard. Runner at 6'3, 230. Um, it appears to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but on paper, BYU has a starting Big 12 offense.
1: You know, I would agree. Especially, especially with the depth they have at wide receiver. Um, you're gonna get Miles Davis back and healthy to give you depth at running back. Um Ropati, I think, emerged as a guy with that fast twitch kind of um, ability, low to the ground, low pad level. So all of a sudden running back, I'm not worried about anymore. Isaac Rex coming back at tight end, um, you know, that whole group of receivers with Hill and Chase Roberts and, and Cody Epps um, is is really, really good. Uh, The offensive line. The only question the offensive line is um, because they've lost some guys to the NFL to transfer. uh, They've got to stay healthy. I feel like to give them time to develop depth. uh, Cause I feel like their first five or six are going to be phenomenal and big 12 ready. Uh, but they've got to they've got to get a little depth there, and then they'll they'll find some guys. But yeah, this this offense is absolutely Big 12 ready.
0: Puka Nakua declared for the draft since we were last together. He's going to forego his final year of eligibility at BYU. He announced the decision through his Instagram account, telling Cougar fans, "quote I will see you on Sunday this fall." So we wish Puka the very best. We're going to show his catch. I know you can't see it, bl- Blaine, because you're on Zoom, but his catch against Boise State has to be one of the the all-time greats. Uh, the whole season hung in the balance. It's fourth down and six, and somehow he grabs the ball and drags his toe into the end zone. BYU beats Boise State. They finish on a four-game uh, winning streak and, and roll now into, into the Big 12. How will you remember Puka Nakua?
1: I will remember Puka. Well, this is the spectacular catches in so many games. You know, one of the games that I remember that not many people talk about because we didn't win it was the game down at Baylor. Yeah. Because I felt like that day, BYU as a team um, kind of lost their edge and got overpowered by by Baylor, who was, the, who was the big 12 champs that year. But Puka didn't get overpowered or outclassed. In my mind... He was the best player on the entire field that game. And no matter what they tried to do, um, he was catching balls in traffic. They double teamed him. He was catching balls. And, and that game, I just thought, man, th- there's a guy who has no fear and is unbelievably gifted and rises to the occasion. And that's not a game we talk about that much. No. But when nobody else is playing well, he stood out as the best player on the field against big 12 champs. So that's that's my favorite game of his. But what I'm gonna remember him for is his 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 mentality, his love of the game, and the pure joy that he got out of playing and how that impacted his teammates. Yeah. Because he loosened his teammates up. He made them all play better because they played loose. He made them believe that they could win big games. Um I think the combination of he and Samson the year before is why they did so well against the Pac twelve. So I'm I'm gonna miss and remember his leadership and and the pure joy that he played the game with as much as I remember any of the great catches.
0: Electricity in a bottle, for sure. And when the ball was going to Puka, something good was going to happen. And if not good, something exciting. It was just something, okay, the playmakers got the ball, Let's see what he can do. And he'll be missed. And as you mentioned a moment ago, he leaves a full stable of receivers behind. But, but uh, one of a kind on and off the field, uh, Puka Nakua. And so we'll watch and see what happens with him in the NFL. A couple of sad notes around football uh, today and, and this past couple of weeks. Sione Vecoso, uh, BYU's redshirt freshman offensive lineman, passed away. He died in a construction accident last week in his home of Kailua, Hawaii, Uh, football program organized the GoFundMe account. In one day, raised more than enough to cover Sione's funeral expenses. And we send our thoughts and prayers to his parents and loved ones. And the the team now is just now getting back together. School uh, resumes early next week. And um, this is going to be a tough one for a long time.
1: Yeah, Sione was a very, very loved uh, teammate. Um, he He had a great future. Uh, but more importantly, um, everybody just talked about um what an unbelievable heart he had and what a good friend he was and what a good person he was. You know, a great high character, loving big guy. Like yeah. like a lot of these offensive linemen are big, big people that are kind of scary looking because of their just their sheer size. Um, but but a lot of those big guys have great hearts and are kind and gentle souls, and that would describe Sione. As I've talked to teammates and coaches, boy, he is going to be really, really missed for that. I'll tell you. He's just leaving a great legacy of character and love. Another, so.
0: another tough story. Uh, last night, DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills took a hit, went down, and, and uh, suffered cardiac arrest right there on the football field. And they gave him CPR and, and revived him. Uh, he's in critical condition in the intensive care unit there in the hospital uh, in Cincinnati, uh, this according to the Bills late today. And, and uh, both of these stories, reminders of, of uh, the, the, they're real people playing with a helmet on and pads, and so often we just, we just see the game and expect them to make great plays, and, and if they get hit hard, they get back up, and, and sometimes they don't. And, and I think we've all been reminded lately of the, uh, uh, you know, just how life can change so fast. And and uh, and we send our thoughts and prayers out to the to the Bills family as well, the Hamlins.
1: Yeah, life is fragile, and 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 uh, mortality is fragile, right? And mm. and so, uh, yeah, we we look at these guys in their uniforms; they're just superheroes to everybody that watch them. But they're 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 real human beings with families, and so we're we're wishing so much love to Sione's family, and also love and comfort to. Uh, damar's family and, and hoping that he gets gets healthy and can make a full recovery um yeah it's a couple of really really tough pieces of news that we've had to deal with in this last in this last week um there's some good news um Dave on the football front yeah. for byU and that is that Justin enna is uh going to join the football staff. kalani stock announced the hiring of Justin as uh, as byu retools its defensive staff uh enna was a former teammate of kalani's Played linebacker, phenomenal player, physical. He comes to the Cougars from San Diego State. He coached the defensive line there. He also spent four seasons at Utah with stops at five other programs. So tremendous depth of experience. He's been a defensive coordinator. He's been a special teams coordinator. He's coached D-line. He's coached linebacker. I think he's done everything but the secondary. Um, And I I think that he's going to bring a a lot to this staff. Um, First of all, I think he's a, well-known as a phenomenal recruiter, which is what this is all about. It's about getting talent right for the Big 12. Um, And he is really, really good with connecting with young players and getting them to come. And then he coaches with an intensity. So he's going to get the most. And and he's going to be working with this linebacker group. So he's going to get the most out of these backers. They're going to be held accountable. And he's going to expect them to play the way he did, which was as an enforcer. Big, big time, physical downhill. Don't even think about running it over by me type of a guy. And that's what he wants to develop in this linebacker course. So I think, I think he's going to be great. He's a BYU guy. Yeah, He's a loyal Kalani guy. Um, so I, I think this is a really good hire.
0: I've got an article coming out in the Deseret News about this uh, emphasis on the first line of defense, the defensive line. Now, he's going to work with the linebackers, but he comes to BYU having coached the D-line at San Diego State. Uh, there's uh, Sione who's coming in who coached the D-line, the interior lineman at the University of Utah for four years, last time he was he was out there. Papinga's coming in, and he coached the edge rushers at Boise State, even though he's going to probably be back in the secondary and and, uh, and special teams. And then you got Jay Hill and Kalani. If, if the defensive line is not remarkably better over the next two years, it won't be because they hired everybody that has defensive line experience to try and fix it.
1: Well, and they, um, from a from a body type perspective, they've already talked about they want to have bigger inside tackles, you know, in there. They want to have, you know, and and when you look at that four or three, uh, they want one of those one of those ends can be like a rush end skill kind of a guy that Kelly Paping is so good at coaching where it can be a little bit lighter and really athletic. that can just blow by those big offensive tackles and cause all kinds of problems. The other end that, that plays on, on the weak side, usually a little bit bigger guy, but still rangy. And then you want to play two gigantic guys in at defensive tackle. So they're out, they're out to find some 6'2", 6'3, 320, 30 pound monsters. And they've already got some commitments from some JC guys um, and, and a transfer, a couple of transfers, one big time transfer, from Boise State on that interior. Yeah. So going to change the dynamic of how those guys look in there, which I think in and of itself is going to make a difference in how they defend the run and, and get pressure on the quarterback.
0: Big 12 schedule. The conference said uh, we'll find out on February 1st. That's next month. Um, we expect some significant developments between now and then, especially concerning Texas and Oklahoma. But BYU already has the Olympic sports schedules for next year. That includes volleyball, softball, baseball, golf, gymnastics, etc. So they have their big 12 schedules, but they're waiting on men's and women's basketball and, of course, football, which which is the most meaningful of them all. And uh, But now that we're in January, we can count down to February 1st. Remember, we counted down to, um, what was it, uh, November 1st, and then we counted down right. to December 1st. Now we're now we're in the month of a countdown to uh, february 1st but at some point we're closing in on the actual kickoff so we know they have to give us the schedule
1: well and you and i have a theory right so this is not based on fact this is just based on um you know all of the pieces that you and i are putting together and that and that theory is that the reason this thing is pushed back is because oklahoma and texas may be getting out of here early yeah. and we heard the we heard those rumors right at the at the same time that they pushed back this and so I think they're ready to, to talk about this year, this next year's schedule, but you don't just put this year's schedule out. They would have had an idea of like, okay, if you always going to play Oklahoma at home this year and Texas on the road the next year, and then we'll, so they were thinking two years down the road. Then all of a sudden there's talk about the possibility of a buyout and then moving to the SEC in 24 instead of in 25. That's our theory. Yeah. Um, and i I, I think that's a good theory, Dave. I know so. you know we're not claiming that for it to be truth, <laughs> but I think it would make sense that that's what the holdup is.
0: Yeah, and and I think we'd uh, bet the farm that we do know the holdup is Texas and Oklahoma. That yeah, is, there that you go is for sure. Uh, TCU of the Big Twelve is going to play Georgia for the national championship next week. The Horned Frogs and the Bulldogs—do they have a chance? Yeah, that.
1: How about I'm, TCU? I, I think surprised me a little bit in that semifinal game and how well they held up defensively, especially through the first half. I mean, the offense has got going after that, but they matched up with Michigan way better than I thought they would. Um, what, what a phenomenal semifinal game. Um, and I think, I think this championship game, I, George a phenomenal defense, but I just feel like TCU can move the ball on anyone. And I think TCU's defense is better than we give them credit for. So this could be a fun one.
0: They do love the shootouts. They're very comfortable having to score 51 to beat Michigan because they've been doing it all season long. Michigan gets in this shootout and they're like, um, wait a sec, this is different for us. We like to just run it and, and drive and win 31 to 14 and move on to the next and uh, I, I think that they, they responded, they got athletes and it went back and forth. But, but TCU is like, good. We got a minute. That's enough. Okay. We'll go down and score.
1: Well, and it was interesting to me is I thought that I thought Michigan thought, listen, we're going to come in here and we'll just run the ball right down their throat. We'll just out physical them. And we're going to go on six and seven and eight minute drives. Therefore their offense won't be on the field. They're not going to have enough possessions to make a difference. Um, kind of like Notre Dame did to BYU this year, right? Yeah. And but it did, TCU held up. Michigan couldn't run the ball, so so Michigan scored a bunch, but they ended up getting big plays over the top, and then it became a shootout, and that is not what Michigan wanted. Mm-hmm. And so now we'll, it'll be interesting because because Georgia is similar in style. Georgia's going to think they can come in there and pound it at TCU. If TCU's run game defense can hold up. And they get in a shootout, George is not used to being in shootouts either. Right. They don't they don't want to get in a shootout with TCU. So um this this could be really, really interesting if, if TCU's run D can hold up. And um, hey, you and I have said this a million times already, Dave. People that really love defense um are gonna be really disappointed in, in the Big Twelve.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not because a...
1: these teams are all built on phenomenal offense, right?
0: Offense wins championships. Uh, The the game has changed. Back in the day, running the triple option and playing defense, won championships for Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Colorado. Those days are over. And now it's how many passes can we throw out of the
1: shotgun? Can we get a couple of stops a half? Because if we can get two stops a half um, you and hold them down in the 30s and go out and score 40, um, and they only get one stop a half, then we win by two touchdowns. And that's the formula. And I think it's fun. I think it's exciting football, but defensive purists are going to be sitting, watching the games on TV going, what is wrong with BYU's defense? They can't stop anybody. And, uh, they, they, they're going to have to recognize that nobody stops anybody in that league. The offenses are just too
0: good. Yeah. And that's why I was excited about Slovis. He's played 34 P five games. He's been right. in, uh, the big, uh, well, he's been in the ACC and he's been in the PAC 12. And so he's been in two leagues, two P five leagues. Uh, no one, uh, with the Cougs has been in a, a P five league as a major player, certainly not with any near the number of starts as he. And so I'm like, Hey, yeah, follow him in. And he's all in and ready to go. And I'm thinking, you know what? The, the Slovis at quarterback could be the difference between what uh, up to an eight win season, maybe.
1: Hey, BYU wins eight games next year in the inaugural year in the big 12. That'd be
0: phenomenal It'll be and, in the cheese It bowl or something like that. Yeah, eight, eight wins bucks. would put
1: him in a really good bowl against another P five opponent. I, yeah. And, and Slovis has been there. And, you know what? I was just talking a bit ago about Samson and Puka Nakua and the impact they had on BYU and all those, those PAC 12 games where, where BYU only lost one. I mean, let's, Hey, BYU is a de facto PAC 12 champ two years ago. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I credit those guys for that. Um, Slovis can have much the same effect this year in all these P5 games saying, hey, I played in this kind of league. Just settle down. We can do this.
0: We are waiting for Ronnie Jenkins to join us. Uh, And we're looking on our, getting on our our Zoom link uh, put together. And, uh, And so we'll talk football with Ronnie and the Big 12 and all that stuff here in just a second. Men's basketball, Cougars have won seven straight. Streak started way back on November 10th in Vegas against number 21 Creighton. Includes wins over Utah and Weber State. The team's net rankings now in the top 100 for the first time this season. By the way, the entire Big 12 is in the top 46. But BYU's in the top 100 now. Uh, what changed? They were 5-5 five and five going into Creighton or, or going into Vegas to play Creighton. Now they're 12-5 and five and they're heading to LMU on Thursday.
1: Well, I you know, there's a couple of things. Um, Spencer Johnson's back for the last couple of games. And I know that's only the last couple of games, but he's already making a huge difference. But more importantly, I think they finally figured out their roles and the rotation. And Martin Pope told us that it was going to take some time to, to figure that out. And these guys, I love how they, they figured out while they were having struggles scoring and going through these long scoring droughts and missing shots, they figured out how to get stops and play D and, uh, and, and, and when, when they're going through scoring droughts during the same game seven game winning streak, they just get stops on the other end and stay in the game, and then the shooting comes back, and then they win it down the stretch. And so, they, they've learned a lot about themselves. They've learned they, they learned that they have some toughness. Um, they've learned um, who takes the shot when and what rotations, um, and then they've learned that when you bring Rudy Williams off the bench, he's much better than he was as a starter, which is an interesting. To ha- how does a coach even make that decision where you just go, you know what? What if we try Rudy Williams off the bench? Yeah. I, I want. We haven't talked to Mark. When we see him next, we need to ask him what went into that decision-making process because on the
0: backside of it, it was brilliant. Yeah, it's working out, and he's going to stay on the bench because he's the leading scorer off of the bench and the leading scorer for the whole team. So Rudy Williams has, has got it together. Jimmer Fredette's going to join us next week. In two weeks, Danny Ainge will be here on The Wise Guys. Our first guest tonight was the most feared kickoff returner in the NFL in 2001. He was feared even more by the Utes when he played at BYU, and he'll forever be a part of the Cougars' only 14-win season program history. Our pleasure to welcome the great Ronnie Jenkins to The Wise Guys. There he is, Ronnie. Thanks for joining us tonight.
2: No problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Good good to have you with us. As as, uh, as you watch a player like DeMar Hamlin go down with an injury like that last night, uh, what thoughts went through your mind as a player who who competed out there at the at the highest level? It's dangerous and sometimes it can be devastating.
2: Yeah, um when I saw it, um you know, I kind of first uh obviously thought about him uh and thought about if he had kids or obviously his family cuz i didn't really know what was what was what was going on i didn't know if he was you know actually um my my son's mother hit me up and actually told me what happened first i wasn't watching the game and that's when i started doing my research and then um I looked into it and and just felt bad i just felt like um you know cuz me playing football i had a i had a kind of a similar incident when i played um, I had a concussion, a real serious concussion actually. You know, I blacked out, I was knocked out for uh, maybe a minute or two, I don't know, but I thought about that. and I just, you know, it's just a dangerous sport. I think people kind of forget that because they're, you know, the, the excitement of the game and you know, fans out there that you know we just we' watching the game because we love the game, but it really is a very serious, serious game
1: you know, Ronnie it's it's interesting that you mentioned um that you first thought about him um and and you played at the highest level with with success in the national football league and played your whole life like I did um we were just talking a minute ago about people watch from the stands or on TV and it's almost like these guys are in, they're not human they're superheroes and they're invincible and they don't think about the fact that they got families um and kids and and, and all of that but, but something like this happens and maybe more people realize that these are human beings that, that have all of that on the field and we hope he has a full recovery, but but may, maybe that'll give people a, a little bit of pause to treat treat these people like humans with respect and, and love.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was just talking about this uh, earlier that um, sometimes we get caught up in... The, the, the lights and the glamor of professional sport. And most people kind of look at the money and people make money and, you know, they don't look at us as real like live human beings that, you know, we make mistakes, we, we cry, we laugh, we, we do everything the, the average person does. And we also um, happen to play a sport that's very physical. And I think things like this, moments like this, kind of put people kind of in reality and and they put things in perspective. Instead of looking at um, the lights and the glamour of it, they kind of should look at it like this is a very serious sport. And we kind of do put our lives on the line because at any given time, as you can see, something can go wrong. Uh, you could get hit a certain way and, and be done for the rest of your life. Um, and it's a choice that we make, you know. I don't think we... As athletes look at that choice, um, I think we we just look at it like everyone else looks at it. Like we grow up, we want to play this game, we, we're having fun. And at the end of the day, we get to the professional level. We're getting paid to, to do something we love. We're not really thinking about all the risks that we actually take by playing this game.
0: When you were at BYU, you were as fast as just about anybody that's ever come through here. And you took that speed into the NFL and as a great kickoff returner, when you're out there returning kicks, what separates everybody from the really, really good ones on a kickoff return?
2: Um, that's a good question. Um, what separates? I mean, at the end of the day, football is a is a team sport. It's the ultimate team sport. So if you you have to have the right people out there to help you, you know do your job. And once that happens, what separates us is I think the ability to read, read quickly and be fast, extremely fast. <laughs> um, that's what separate. I, I, I mean, if I'm talking about myself, um, you know, the passion uh, played a big role into it. Uh, me being very passionate about being successful at what they allowed me to do. You know, they allowed me to play kick return. You know, I'm a running back, but I took what they gave me and I turned it into something um, positive. But it was a lot of passion behind myself and running the ball. Um, But what separated me from others was just um, probably I was much faster, more explosive than others.
1: Yeah, Ronnie was flat out fast. We remember that. Hey, Hey, during that 2001 season, Ronnie, he not only set the Chargers' season record, but he led the entire NFL. Fifteen hundred and forty-one return yards. Um, take us through what goes through your mind when you catch the ball at the goal line, a high hanging kick, and you're ready to take off from the goal line. What What are the things that go through your mind right as you're getting ready to return that?
2: Well, when I obviously I know what kind of return we're running, so I'm just gonna read. I'm gonna read the block that I need to read unless some, unless something goes wrong, I'm going to just read uh, that block that I'm, that I'm focused on the one that's going to get me to that second level. And once I do that, then I'm just, you know, I don't really think, I mean, really to give you an example, um, uh, we played a new Orleans saints um, and I think it was my rookie year and I got a return and I dropped the ball. And I picked it up and I took it to the house, right? So my point is dropping that ball and picking it up. I wasn't even thinking it's just something that happened. It was, it was kind of like an outer body experience. Cause I don't remember what happened. I just knew that I was on high alert once <laughs> I dropped it, you know, I knew I dropped it, but once I knew I dropped it, everything just kind of like took over. And once I got to that second, third level, it was over. And and doing something like that, dropping a ball like that in an NFL game, being a rookie, it also gives you an extreme amount of um, uh, confidence. And from that point on, you know, before I get a return, I'm just so focused and I'm just trying to get to that second level. Because when I believe I get to the second level, I believe that I can get past any kicker or anybody that's in my way.
0: So you had a 93 yard touchdown against the Raiders an 83 yard touchdown against the Broncos and a 72 yard return against the bills. Which of those three meant the most
2: against the Raiders.
0: Yeah. How come?
2: Uh, Well, I grew up a Raider fan, (laughs) but playing for them, I I hated them. Um, So I'm not a Raider fan no more. Um, to be honest with you, I, I love, you know, I don't, I don't hate them literally, but, um, <laughs> they're a rival obviously. And, um, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a return that, that game that I, I almost ran back and I got, um, the kicker, I think was Jenna Kowski. He got me. So that second, the touchdown you just spoke of is the second time I had the return and I took it to the house, but it was more, um. You know, I was real focused that game. It was a rival. Um,
0: I think you had 250 return yards in that game.
2: Yeah, I think I broke a record. Yeah, I
0: think. I'm not <laughs> that's a good day right there. Good day for kick returns.
2: <laughs> uh, hey, the,
1: now you were you said that you don't like the Raiders, right? But the Raiders signed you after you were with the Chargers, right? They did. So, so you didn't you didn't love the Raiders. But business is business, I guess, because after that 250 return yards, they they felt like, well, we want that guy, and the, and they signed. You talk about the mindset of then going to the Raiders.
2: Well, I should, I should rewind. My dislike was after I was with the Raiders. Oh, ah, gotcha. okay. Explain that then. So uh, I went to the Raiders on an emotional note because I didn't want to leave San Diego. I didn't feel like um, – I felt like at that part of my career, I was I was I was going up. Um, My rookie year, I broke their return records. My second year, I broke that record. Was a Pro Bowl alternate, led the lead, like you said. So, I just loved San Diego, to be honest with you. And then when when it happened, I was just so emotional, and I knew that obviously, if I go to the Raiders, we're gonna play. The Chargers twice, twice a year. So
0: yeah.
2: uh, that was a, on an emotional thing. But when I got there, you know, it was it was pretty much the downfall of the Raiders. Uh, the year before that, they had went to the Super Bowl and lost uh, against uh, Tampa, I believe. So I came the year after that, and that was the that was the year that they started losing, basically. But my experience there was just not a good good experience, to be honest with you. It's just. Yeah. It just wasn't a good experience, and you know, I got I kind of got out of character. Um, I'd never been the type of player who um, always just did what I was told and was coachable. Um, But the tension was very high there, and we just—I got hurt, but I still was playing, getting shots in my ankle every uh, every week, and it just you know just was a bad experience and. Things got out of out of hand and uh, me and the coach blew up on each other and it just went nuts after that. So it just wasn't a bad, a good experience for me. It sounds so, about you know.
0: right for Raiders. It just sounds
2: yeah, that, it that, seems that, like a Raiders story. Why does story that all right sound
1: there? normal for the Raiders to <laughs> me? So, n- needless to say, Ronnie, your your best experience in the NFL was with the Chargers for certain, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. We're visiting with former BYU running back and NFL return man, Ronnie Jenkins on the Wise Guys now, listen, let's go back to high school for a moment. You ran for 619 yards and seven touchdowns in a single game, setting a a national record. Did the defense just take a knee that night, or what happened?
2: Well, it was actually a good game. And it was actually, on that defense, uh, a player by the name of Scott Vegeta, who played in the NFL for a while. He was on that that team. And a few other guys that got uh, division one scholarships was on that team so they were a pretty good team and the, the game was pretty close i mean before it got out of hand uh, towards the end but no they were trying very hard to get me i mean once i like i said once i get to that second that second level it was pretty uh hard to contain me um because of my speed yeah i was so much faster than everybody else but it was a it was a good night you know it, it, everything panned out perfectly, uh, field position, because to run that many yards on 30 carries, you have to be, you know, positioned properly to get those many yards. So we, the kick returns was, wasn't happening, and I was starting off at the 10 and 15-yard line, so it was, I was able to run these long runs. And that's. I think someone told me, actually someone told me about two weeks ago that they were the person taking those stats at that game, <laughs> and I think that's, I had 400 yards at the half which Jeez. I didn't know that, but you know, I they, have ran, out of ink.
0: they ran out of ink in their pen. They had, that's, they yeah. That's
1: crazy.
2: That. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I'll
1: tell you, Ronnie, it gave, it gave us, uh, I can't even think about how many times when you were playing at BYU, we told that stat to fans that were watching on TV. When we, when we were calling your game, we, we would refer to that stat. It's such an eye popping, unbelievable national record that, that we referred to it a bunch while you were playing. Um, you're coming out of high school, let's talk about your BYU experience a little bit. You, you know, take a chance on BYU. BYU takes a chance on you. What, what's the greatest lesson you learned at BYU uh, from your experience there and your time there with Lavelle Edwards?
2: To be honest with you, I've thought about this a dozen times. You know, at first I thought it was um, to be becoming um, a better player because I did become a better player. Um I thought it was the relationships, but if as a 45-year-old man today, I can honestly say it made me grow up, it made me um become a, a man, really, a better man. Um and I say that because it's you, you have to, as you know, my experience there and, and how things panned out, um as a man today, you, you only can you have to take accountability. You know, and you know, you have to, when you sign up for something, you have to, you have to fulfill, uh, your obligations. And that's what it kind of taught me is to, uh, no matter the situation, the circumstances, when you sign up for something, you finish. And that's what it taught me. Other than that, obviously, um, being a part of that team and being a part of Lavelle Edward and Lavelle Edwards and Norm Chow. They taught me everything. Um, trust me, when I came out of high school, I was very raw. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have to block. I didn't have to learn defenses and all that type of stuff in high school. Um, so I didn't really know. I didn't know football until I got to BYU. I became a better football player at BYU. And I couldn't have done that um, if it wasn't for BYU and the coaching staff. And then outside of that, it's the players. Um, I was fortunate to be around a lot of really good people. Chad Lewis, um, who I really respect. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, um, Brian McKenzie, Omar Morgan, Tim McTire, Shea, uh, John Tate. The list goes on. It just players. Itula Mele. Um,
0: that all adds up to 14 wins. You drop all those names. Yeah. Games.
2: yeah. You know, just, it's, I'm very fortunate to be able to even say I was a part of that and and being a big part of that um, just as a freshman, you know, just leading the team in touchdowns and, you know, just how Norm brought me along slow and me being impatient at first, but then learning why he was doing what he was doing. It was just Really a good experience for me. To be honest with you, I I can't really complain about my experience at BYU. What
1: what was what was the best of of that? I mean, so you're fourteen and one in your freshman season. You're named the WAC Freshman of the Year that year. Um, what surprised you the most, or exceeded your expectations? of fourteen wins, the fact that you had 733 yards, the fact that you scored 11 touchdowns and led the team scoring. Um, it was did you expect any or all of that or, or what surprised
2: you? What surprised me is that our team was, wasn't what I, you know, me growing up, teams looked a certain way. My teams that I was on looked a certain way and, you know, it wasn't too many brothers on the team. So I'm thinking, man, we're not going, how are we going to play against Texas A&M and beat these guys (laughs) stuff like that, you know, ignorant stuff, ignorant stuff like that. But, but again, being there and once the was on and once I'm in this system, I'm seeing that none of that stuff matters. And that was the most uh, the most uh, part of this whole thing that surprised me is that I learned that that stuff just doesn't matter, man. It don't matter what people look like. none of that stuff matters because John Tate is John Tate and he he can be on any team and be and be dominant. And Itula Mealy and Chad Lewis can be on any team and be dominant. So it wasn't really what I did um, that surprised me. Um I really didn't think about it, you know. I I didn't think about being freshman of the year. I did I wasn't, you know, I wasn't out there trying to to accomplish any of that. I just wanted to play. Um and the way they brought me on, um um, I'm thankful for it because I was so adamant uh, I was just trying to play and play but they brought me on along slow and it, everything just turned out uh wonderful uh for me and the team. Um and on another note uh beating Utah was a was a big thing. Um um I never lost against Utah. I don't like I don't like them.
0: <laughs> they're like the Raiders. They're like the Raiders aren't they Ronnie? Yeah yeah
2: they're like the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're visiting with Ronnie Jenkins, former BYU running back, former NFL kickoff return specialist here in the Wise Guys. Men's volleyball coach Sean Olmstead is going to join us here in a couple of moments uh, in studio. That's coming up. Jimmer Fredette next week, Danny Ainge in two weeks as the Wise Guys rolls into the new year. And speaking of the Utes, Ronnie, between you and Blaine, you guys are 6-0 and against Utah, and, and I've never lost to them either, so that makes us all undefeated against the Utes. Why was that such a big deal?
2: Um, well, uh, you know, I didn't know how big of a rival it was at first, uh, but leading up to that game, I was figuring it out and just how we, how we beat them, how we, how we did it. You know, we ran the ball uh, more than what we were used to and me and Brian really put a number on them and it just was a good feeling, man. Just me being a freshman and being in that type of game and being successful this was a big thing, and from that point on, I didn't like him. You know,
1: in that game, Ronnie, I, I called that game, and I remember um, talking to Norm Chow after the game. And and if I remember right, um, we only threw the ball twelve times. So yeah. because you and Brian just it was just like you, Brian, you Brian, like back and forth, and Utah could not stop it. And and after the game, I asked Norm. I said, "Well, what, what were you thinking?" And Norm said, "I got I I got thinking." they can't stop this and nothing is more frustrating than them knowing that we're going to do it. And we just crammed it down their throats anyhow. So I was just going to keep doing it until they stopped it and they never stopped it. What what does that feel like to just physically dominate someone like that, that you guys could have almost lined up and said, Hey, this time I'm getting it. And Brian's leading up and we're running it off tackle and you can't stop it.
2: Yeah. You know what? It's nothing like being in the zone, you know, and I think that that's what we were in. Me and Brian both, I think collectively, we all were in the zone and we just knew they weren't going to stop us. You know, once once in football, you know, once you get that momentum and you just, that confidence that you build every time you can get a first down or a six-yard run, it's hard to stop a really good team from just continuing to just dominate you. And I think we're just in that zone, uh, us as running backs and the linemen, Think we're just in a the zone there's, there's nothing they was going to do about it
0: byu joins the big 12 in september how important will it be to run the football in that league
2: it's going to be important um and you know i'm happy that byu is actually you know stepping up and and looking for that that competition too but it's going to be a a good thing for them to you know get some um some backs um out there that could that can, you know, really run the ball, because um, that's what they're known for. Uh, the Big 12 is, is a, is a beast of a conference. Uh, I think we'll be successful in it. Um, but I think that, you know, get some, get some fresh guys out there, some get some speed out there. I think that BYU will do fine running the ball. Get them big traditional linemen that that BYU usually gets. They won't have no problems.
1: What What's your expectation like? Is there a win total in your mind that you're saying, "Hey, in the first year, I'd like to see them get this number of wins that that would make you feel good about what they do next season"?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think they because they're not going in this year, right? They're going into the following.
1: this next this next fall. They're in. Yeah, this okay. is their first year this
2: fall. Yeah. I think that um. Being new, I think that even if they go. I don't know. I think they can win seven games.
0: Yeah. Seven or eight, we think would be a great year. I, mean, yeah, yeah. I think that would be a great year. Yeah. And
1: and you win seven or eight in that league, Ronnie. You go to you go to much bigger bowls and play much better opponents mm-hmm. in bowl games. So 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 seven or eight. Okay. So you're right with Dave and I have been saying seven or eight, we'd feel really, really good about it. it sounds yeah. like you're on board with us on that one.
2: Yeah, so seven eight would be will be a
0: good a good season. Hey, a couple of questions before Blaine hits you with five quick ones. Kyle Van Noy and Michael Davis, they're the Chargers now. Are they getting you free tickets down there? The sideline passes and taking care of former Charger alums?
2: I, I'm able to go to these games if I want. Um, <laughs> they do reach out to me, but I don't typically go to the games anymore. Yeah. Honestly. No, nah, I, re- I don't really watch football that much, to be honest with you. Really? I don't. I don't know why. I just, I, I don't know what it was. I just, you know. I don't really watch it that much. When you were,
0: Hey, when,
1: when BYU gets in the big 12, we need, we need you back on board watching with <laughs> us brother.
2: Oh yeah. I'm i I'm gonna go to the games. I, I'm, I enjoy going to the BYU games more than I go would it go to an NFL game. Yeah.
0: The next time you're yeah. up for a BYU game, we'll have you on our game day set and uh, absolutely have you, you join you, us. Co-
1: you. Anytime you want to come up, you know, every, everybody will take care of you, but we'll give you, we'll give you extra special treatment. And have you come on game day with us and everything. You yeah. Want to come up to any BYU game? Of course,
0: for so, sure. So, yeah, so. Right.
1: Ronnie, true or, hey, or we false? Have, we two. have a true or false for you. Okay. Is this true? Well, while you're at BYU, um, and you're you're running track there when you were there as well, mm-hmm. did you really want a 4.1940 with a sore hamstring? That's the that's the legend.
2: Um, yeah, that's what I was told when I crossed the finish line. Um, I pulled up. I pulled up. I had a a ham string injury but when i crossed that line they said it was a 419 you
0: ran the 40 and 4.19 i can't even drive the 40 that fast and you did it with a (laughs) sore hamstring i did it that is that is speed and there dave is why when anybody asks
1: me who's the fastest player that ever played at byu i always point right to ronnie right there ronnie right
2: there
0: hey tell us what you're up to what are you up to right now what's what's going on in your life
2: um, I'm big on health right now. Um, I'm into, uh, CBD and, uh, legal, uh, cannabis dispensary. So I'm opening a dispensary. Okay. In Oxnard, California. Um, so I've been going through this process for a couple of years, but, um, this, you know, I'm into, uh, a kind of holistic way of healing and stuff like that. So I got involved with that a few years back. And I got a license in the city from where I'm, where I'm from. Um, so that's what I'm into now. Just, uh, going to probably open, uh, hopefully by April. Um, but yeah, you know, just CBD, uh, waters and all kind of stuff that's good for the body. It's
1: uh that's a, getting all the licensing and everything is a, is quite a monumental task. Got some really good friends in the business in Colorado, and I know that that's been that was a really hard go to get that all done and take care of all the licensing, get it up and running, but they're doing great now. Um, sounds like you're on the tail end of all that and getting ready to get up and going.
2: Well, it was a, it was a journey. Trust me. It was a, it was a, it was hard to was hard to get into this, this industry. Um, um, cost, you know, cost to be the boss, <laughs> but once, once everything is open, then that's when you kind of reap the benefits of, of that journey.
0: Good, good. We wish you the best of success as you move forward with that Blaine, you ready with five questions for the world famous and the fastest guy ever to play at BYU. 4.19 Ronnie Ronny Jenkins. Ronny Jenkins. That's what we're
1: going to call him from now on. And <laughs> and so Ronnie, these are just five quick questions. We'll ask everybody. And you just, the first thing that comes to your mind. So your favorite sports movie,
2: you probably won't know what it is, but it's called wildcats.
1: Wildcats. wildcats? I think I've heard yes. of that. I think it's I've heard an of that. old
0: movie. Wildcats. I'm have to go look at I'm have to go look that, go look that, that one would, up Yeah who's the star of that
2: Wildcat's She's uh what's her name
0: I think I know it's uh she was married to um
2: uh, what's her name uh uh
0: Kurt Russell she was married to Kurt yeah, Russell Yeah she yeah, was yeah. Married to what's Kurt her Oh name?
1: so it's it's uh a Goldie Hahn
0: I think uh, it is Goldie Hahn isn't it? it Might be her Okay I don't
1: think they ever got married I think they just lived together for 100 years is and their daughter is Kate Kate Hudson
0: yeah, I think that's it. Okay, Wildcats, by the okay, way. Wildcats, Ronnie, that's a good one. That's one. Well, we haven't one. had that
1: one. That's a new
2: one. <laughs> so
1: your your favorite band or singer?
2: Favorite band or singer. Um my favorite singer, I would have to say Michael Jackson.
1: Okay, your your favorite breakfast cereal. O's. O's. Now wait, do O's have sugar on them or are they like really healthy?
2: O's has these little clusters in the middle of the, of the, O, and it's, it's sugar.
0: Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's okay. right there. It's next level stuff. Cause we know <laughs> you're into good health, but
1: we only respect people to eat sugar cereal because Dave and I are sugar cereal addicts.
2: I don't eat cereal as much as I used to, but when I do, I'll eat a whole box, a whole box of O's. <laughs> All
1: right. I love it. Your, your favorite BYU memory.
2: When Chad Lewis came back from his first year in the NFL, And I was talking to him and Steve Young, and we took a picture together. That was a memorable moment for me. Steve Young is, you know, a legend. Yeah. So is Um, Chad. Yeah. And him acknowledging me and knowing who I was was big for me. That's awesome.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. No, Steve. Steve, uh, we're going to tell him that he still stays close to the program. Absolutely. So, and then. um. The last one, your favorite running back of all time.
2: Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk.
0: It's a good choice. How come? Besides the fact that he was as fast as you were.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that he was just ultimately the, um, he had everything from running the ball to catching the ball in space. I think he just, his, um, I mean, outside of, OJ, but I I just picked Marshall over OJ, but he just brought everything everything that I that I like in a, in a running back. He had, I mean, he he could catch the ball better than been better than probably anyone. Uh, he can he can run the ball just as good as anyone. So um, Marshall Falk is my is my favorite.
1: He's he was phenomenal. I, it's fun to talk to Derwin Gray about the matchups he had against Marshall when BYU and San Diego State used to go at it, and yeah. He would say, hard to get a decent angle on that guy. <laughs> so, he was tough. Ronnie, he was tough. That's a great one. Oh, awesome. Ronnie, man, we're we proud appreciate of you. it. Ronnie, it's so great to have you on with us. Thank you. Connect back up with you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you, man. We'll do it again and again uh, this fall when you're up. Uh, let us know. Yeah. and We'll uh, have you on our game day set, and uh, and we'll get the fastest man on campus who's back on campus uh, to be Ooh. part of the show. But, hey, we're proud of you. We're proud of how you represent BYU. And, uh, and your and your career and, and your business. Now we wish you the best of luck and, and we'll see you again.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you guys.
0: All right. Ronnie Jenkins, you hand the ball to him and he's heading around the right corner, Blaine. He's gone. Yeah.
1: He, it, you know what it, I, I just when he's, he talked about that Utah game where Utah was helpless. I mean, they were literally helpless, but between he and Brian they, they couldn't stop him. It was like eight yards to the left, nine yards to the right, eight yards to the left. If I remember right, Brian had over 200 yards, and, and, and Ronnie went for um, over 150 in that game. And between the two of them, I mean, you, Utah couldn't do a thing. It was kind of fun to watch. It, it was one of the most dominating performances I've ever seen out of a BYU team against anybody. But to have that happen against Utah was really impressive and really fun.
0: So cool to have him on. The wise guys. All the big shots come on this show, and and Ronnie's one of them. we got another one right now. Our next guest tonight's a winner, and it doesn't matter if he's competing or coaching. He just wins. As a player, he helped BYU to a pair of national volleyball championships in 2001 and 2004. As a coach of the women's program, he took the Cougars to their first national championship match in 2014. As the men's coach. He's taken BYU into the national championship match in 2016, 2017, 2018, and is a four-time coach of the year in the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation. A pleasure to welcome BYU men's volleyball head coach, Sean Olmstead, to the Wise Guys. Thanks for hanging out with us.
3: Thank you guys for having me. It's awesome. You might be the coolest guest we've ever had. No, come on. He was just telling me he had Marie Osmond on here. That was
0: pretty cool. (laughs) That was pretty cool. But she wasn't a volleyball player. You know, there's something about – what
3: is it about volleyball and the beach? Uh, Even though there isn't a beach here in Provo, but it just brings people to the sport. The lifestyle. The lifestyle. You know, the sun, the sand, the surf, uh, just hanging out. California, Southern California, wherever you can find a beach. And there's a lot of enticing things. So, So Volleyballers
1: are – they're like the coolest of athletes it <laughs> seems like because they know they know how to cross the line and get out on out there and bring it and be competitive but it seems like they also know how when they get outside the line to chill and relax like no other athlete. Am I, is that the wrong vibe I'm getting from volleyball players? Or is that, oh, I, is that accurate? Sean? You know, that's
3: I, I think that's really accurate actually. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that with me. I'm going to, I'm going to use that again because uh, it's true. Uh, we've got hands down. We've got some of the best athletes on campus that maybe don't get the recognition that they're going to get in all the other sports. Yeah, And uh, these guys can definitely tone it down and, they were just hanging out, hanging out in the team room right now. When I left and said, "Guys, I got to run." We were having team dinner after uh, after practice right. tonight. So uh, I like that. I like I like how you put that. I think that's spot on.
1: There you is some cool killers on the court, and uh, and chill, great guys you want to hang with off the court is what they're all about, and I love that. Sure. Hey, and by the way, I wanted to be I wanted to be there with you tonight, but we know that your season opener is coming Friday night against uh, against McKendry from Illinois, and. And I've got a terrible cough and we just felt it was really a bad idea <laughs> I mean, for me to come in and cough all over you before the game. So
3: yeah, yeah. this, I, I this is like, thinking.
1: if it was just me and Dave, I would come cough all over Dave. No problem <laughs> whatsoever. Twice about it. But no way was I going to come cough on Sean. That was for sure.
3: I appreciate that. And, and I love the beautiful pictures behind, I mean, you're all set up. Uh, it's just, this is,
1: and, see, and I don't know if that's backwards when you see it, but it says all you need is
3: love, no, right? It's right?
1: Yeah, that's good. And that's, that's, that's the theme for my family. And the, and these are all my little cherub grandchildren in behind wow. me is what they are. Wow! So and here I
3: am surrounded by all the Big Twelve stuff, and I was, I was uh, talking. We're going to bring in some hat. We're going to bring in some gear and, and get some other things on the wall. But here I am surrounded, and then I look at you and the beautiful family. <laughs> it's balanced. you all you need is love, right there. You know, we're going into a that's Beatles jam now.
1: <laughs> that's the theme. That's the theme. You know what though? Hey, anything you want to add to the set for us though, Sean, that you, We can have. From the volleyball oh, team, no, no, we will no, no, put good. it on the yeah, set.
3: Yeah, that no, no, would be no, no. awesome. I, I pr- uh, hold me that. I promise. Uh, within a week, let me uh, le- let let us compete a little Something bit. Something cool. So then, uh, we'll bring. I'll bring a bunch of hats and and some things that. You guys do with it what you'd like. Maybe you're gonna get, maybe you're gonna wear them, or maybe you're gonna decorate in here because this is awesome. This is cool. This, this is, is really our cool.
0: lair, and as you can see, the the Big Twelve teams are up there, except for Texas and Oklahoma. We we've already moved them on oh, to the to the SEC. <laughs> I, I so didn't even a, put that. They're short timers, so they're 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 not up there on the wall. But do you um
3: do you feel left out? The no. men's volleyball team is the only sport not going to the Big Twelve. Sure, and I, uh, we were chatting before, and I was telling him a little of the backstory. You yeah. know, I was. I remember when Tom came to practice, and uh, I was with the women's team and finishing up our practice, and he pulled me aside and said, "Hey, we're going to the WCC." Right. And uh, I have another story, but I don't think we have the time on when I was there. And I'm certain, and I joke with Tom nonstop. I was the first to be involved in the football scheduling as it relates to, can we pull this off? Can we go independent? Tom was there writing notes and he shredded up this and he was on the phone. And were you saying yes? No, no. I was just like, what's going on? He's on the phone with president. He's on the phone with some heavy hitters and you just, okay, can we do this? Can we do this? And and he was writing down on this one piece of paper nonstop for like a day straight. And that's not normally Tom. Tom's in with our team. He's chatting with the girls because I was coaching the girls at the time. And, uh, Finally, whatever it was, the final phone call that he needed, I don't know, and he just gets this piece of paper. And I have never in my life seen a human being shred a piece of paper as many times as Tom Homel did. And it was just <laughs> he and I in the locker room at the time. Really? Because I'm like, I'm going to grab that paper. Like, there's something <laughs> on that. And he just shred that thing into a million pieces, and, and I had no shot. I had no shot. But um, then then this go-around, yeah, um, it was – there wasn't – you guys could probably uh, – you know, talk about it, but there wasn't like the, the, the publicity, the, the excitement that we've seen in the past as it relates to conference affiliation. And, um, so I don't feel like any of the coaches really had any sort of like strong, okay, we're going and Tom sends out a text to the head coaches only, you know, on a Thursday night. Cause it was announced on Friday. Yeah. Um, and it was about eight or nine o'clock. It was late. It might've been almost approaching 10 o'clock at night that, Hey, you have to be at this meeting. Head coaches, you are here, mandatory. Yeah, so we're all in there, and uh, you know it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to be a part of. It. And Tom, you know, got real emotional and excited for everybody. And you know, we're going to the Big Twelve, except you, Sean. But <laughs> but we love you now. That wasn't <laughs> what, no, uh, but I don't no. I don't feel left and out. There, and so there's exciting. a reason for that because there there isn't men's volleyball isn't. in the Big Twelve. Not one of those schools that we're looking at right here. None of those schools support or have men's volleyball, and so we're very comfortable with where we're at and it's been great for all of us, yeah. every one of us, all the athletes, the facility, everything. It's been uh, a wonderful opportunity for all of us. And so Tom and Brian and the administration, Liz and the president, everyone's kept my guys included. We're not excluded. It's not Good. Hey, You're over there and we're here and we're, we're all a part of this thing. And, but it is funny cause, uh, I go to church that next Sunday, or anybody I run into. Still, t- still, right now. Oh man, we're going to the Big Twelve. We're finally like, that's it. Here we go. No can't more. wait till you play. And, uh, yeah. Oh, you excited to play Texas Tech? No, I'm, I'm I'm the only one. What do you mean? I'm the only coach that's not going to the Big Twelve. We're the only team. So, uh, but but Sean, won't the the
1: dollars from the Big Twelve make a huge difference? And those will flow over to you guys as well. And and you're already so maybe some upgrades in facilities dollars come in your way um but you're really in the best league in college volleyball any you're in the oh, you're yeah. in the when oh, people yeah. think of football they think of the SEC
3: oh yeah when they think of volleyball you're in the best league in America right yeah no 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 100% and that's as i stated just a minute ago it, as it relates to that facilities the upgrades all of those things the you know every little movement that You know, the the casual fan, the outsiders have no idea of what's going into all this, and we're seeing it day, I mean, we are literally seeing it day to day, and that's been our approach to the Big 12. I think BYU's done a phenomenal job in correlation with the church, with the president, vice president, moving this thing forward, so we're we're all on board, and nobody's left out in, in any way, shape, or form, other than, hey, yeah, the Big 12, and... I'm gonna be honest I'll keep my trips to Malibu California and Los Angeles and UCLA, <laughs> not rub USC, it in. Yeah. And, uh, over over some of those locations Oh and absolutely so, so I' we're, we're very happy and <laughs> and uh, it's it's great because of the approach BYU's taken as it relates to this. Season openers Friday
0: night on BYU TV against McKendry out of out of Illinois. How eager are you to see the boys in competition?
3: Very, very. Uh, They've been beating each other up all all last semester, and uh, then we came back two days after Christmas. We we had our first practice after Christmas on the 27th at 5 p.m. The guys were back in town ready to go at 5 o'clock. We had an an evening practice. Then we've uh, gone almost every day since then with two practices a day. Uh, A couple days we we gave them off, but uh, today we finished that session of those "Quote unquote double days." Yeah, we'll kind of tone it down a little. Where we're now going into the evening, afternoon, evening practices, leading up to this Wednesday, Thursday, and so there's always an excitement to just new opportunities, uh, new 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 faces, uh, familiar faces with with some uh, some respects, and so uh, it's really excited. You know, Sean, you
1: set a really high bar early in your career, and then you've just maintained it. So every year, expectations are high, and that's a great thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. How, how has the success you've had fed your recruiting efforts?
3: Yeah, no, it's it's always BYU. It's always been fun and and, and exciting to go out. And you go into Southern California, you go into the hotbed of of volleyball where yeah. now you've got the Irvines, the Long Beach States, the, the Santa Barbaras, and then the UCLA's, the USC's, and and you go in there and here's BYU showing up and we're, you know, we, we have an opportunity to be in the mix with every one of those kids because of what was built here starting with Carl McGowan. Yeah. The, the ability that Carl, um, you know, the, getting the community, the, like from the start, volleyball was this kind of just this, it was the hot ticket. It always yeah. has been. It still is. It still is. And so, you know, Carl did such a great job, and then everyone's kind of followed suit. And, um, you know, so it's always exciting when you go into those homes and you're able to be there with those teams. And here's a kid in Southern California, and we're in the mix. And those are the areas we have to go and recruit. And so it, you look at the, the support, like, like you guys, I mean, look at this. And then you go to the BYU TV, sure. and then you go to just the gates, the people coming into the matches, the, the, the live events. And every year, every year, every single year since I've been the head coach, uh, you'll run into a men's that guy that you recruited, and he'll go play at UCLA or USC. He comes here, and he goes, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah. I said, yeah, I told you. Uh, yeah, I've had mo- a handful of them, a couple All-Americans, Man, I wish I would have known, you know, it's their senior year. And, yeah. and uh, you know, because, man, this would have been amazing to play here for every home game. So we can't thank the, the the community and all the people that do so much for us and our team. As-
1: Dave and I come and we – I try to, like, just kind of blend in and sit in, in the crowd. And I can't imagine, Sean, that there's a better home court environment for fans than no. what you guys no. have developed there. I mean, the whole thing. The no. the music, the competition, the 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 fan involvement. It, you've been all over the country and played mm-hmm. against top ten teams week after week. Is there any place better uh, for no. a home court environment than what you guys have?
3: No, it's not even close. You know, you're right there. You're on the floor. The the fans are on the floor, um, and it's just the way that the the field house is. You know, I won't I won't say it's it's just us. You know, I mean Hawaii. Is a great environment, you know the island, and they, they do a nice job. But year after year after year, it's it's BYU. It's coming there to play at BYU, come to play in the Smith Fieldhouse to be a part of that crowd and that environment, and uh, and so we've kept that consistency. And uh, and you've got you got a twenty thousand seat arena just up the street. You have no interest in well, going. That's up where there. I was going to go. Yeah. I was listen to this Carl. Carl's uh, uh, first national championship was in ninety nine. The team, I could be a little off, but their record was 30-1. and one. Okay? All right. The one loss I was know to you're Long going. Beach State <laughs> when they broke the NCAA attendance record with, like, it was, like, ten or 11,000 people at an NCAA men's volleyball game, and the one loss that Carl McGowan had was in the Marriott Center. So that was it. But then <laughs> I come in, you know, and then I start playing. So that was 90, the season of 99. I come in the fall of 99. We are now in my junior year, uh, 03. We have a good team. Yeah. We end up losing in the finals that year. Um, so we had a really, really good team. We, go, we beat Hawaii on Friday night in the Smithfield house, and they had made this big push. So it had been planned yeah. way in advance. We're going to break the NCAA attendance record in the Marriott Center on Saturday night against Hawaii. We break the record, and we lose. <laughs> no so, no yeah so so they asked me you know they've 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 inquired sure. years ago they have I'll tell you what they, <laughs> they don't. I don't know the last time they have because it's just no we're gonna stay in the Smithfield house uh, I understand the the excitement and what oh, yeah. we could do but no we love that I place. swear you could put
0: 20,000 students and, in the married center
3: and as let's let's talk facilities I hope I don't get myself in trouble I don't think I will because I'm not get look there's been discussion what are we going to do with as facilities grow in the yeah, Big Twelve, right. what are we going to do? Are we going to do a volleyball only venue? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? And that's—I've struggled with that because I love the Smithfield House. I've st- like you know uh, everyone wants the new and nice, and I've seen some amazing arenas at Ohio State and some of these big-time programs where they make it a women's and men's facility only. Yeah, and Heather and I, you know, I I, I just love the Smithfield House. I love it. It's been great. It's been great for you. If
1: if if you're a fan and you have not been to uh, men's volleyball or women's volleyball for that matter, but especially for men's volleyball, if you haven't been in the Field House for a match, you need to go. Like it is, it's off the charts. One of the one of the best college sports environments out out there. I I love
3: it every time we go. (laughs) Reach out to me if you're a fan and you're watching this. Or it gets tweeted out to, reach out to me. We got to get you a ticket. We're going to get you to a game. And you're going to bring your significant other or your son or daughter or anybody else. But you got to come down and, and experience it.
0: Sounds great. Sounds great. As the guys play this year and as we watch them live and on BYU TV, uh, what are the three names we'll hear the most?
3: Okay. Oh, put me on the spot right now. Uh, and then I have a follow-up. Okay. No, no, no. That's great. So you're going to see uh, we've had a steady libero the last few years, and I'd be uh, – And the
0: libero, which is what you played, does what?
3: Yeah. So uh, this is a position that wears a different color jersey. Okay. You know, so I'm doing my best to describe it to what would be uh, casual fans but BYU supporters, and, right. and we love that. And so you'll go to a game, and you'll see one player wearing a different color jersey – they are allowed to enter in the match and exit the match without any sort of s- formal substitution. So okay. the flow of the match goes. Um, in our side, the men's side, they cannot serve. The women's side, you will see that they do serve. Okay. Um, but you'll see the women's team has them. Every team you're going to see on TV or BYU TV, everyone has them. And what's them. their job? They're going to play. Great question. That jersey you know, only allows them to play in the back row. They cannot go attack. So they're going to be receiving and passing serves and digging a lot of volleyballs, ideally. So playing defense. So that's who you're probably not going to be one of your 6'7 guys. No. Ex- we're usually going to put him in for one of our 6'7 or 6'8 guys. Um, and so that's been a position that, has allowed the game to be a little more exciting because a little more of what we call ball control. They control those touches better than the big guys. Okay. And so uh, we've had a libero that's played in the national championship, uh, been a part of our team. He's now in, I joke with him that I've lost count. He might be a near seven for all I know. with the co- I, 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 you know, But um, Mitch Worthington's a kid that came from Arizona. Mitch Worthington. Lived the dream of a walk-on. Uh, came here we gave him an opportunity he took full advantage of it and he's just grown tremendously over the course of even just this last year and so uh he deserves the recognition because mostly most years they don't get that recognition that position everyone's looking at the big guys like you mentioned the six seven the six eight guys, the the guys that fly. yeah and mitch just does all the dirty work and that's what a
0: libero does. And is he one of your favorites because you were a libero in the international championship run?
3: <laughs> and uh, You know, uh, I <laughs> it's don't know. It's okay. Hey, I, jo- <laughs> so- I, I tell guys, look, if it wasn't for the libero position, yeah. I openly tell my guys I would not have played. I would have been on the roster because Carl brought me onto the roster. I would not have played. I didn't jump like those guys. I, didn't, right. I wasn't as big as those guys. But I was born and raised on the beach touching a volleyball. Yeah. every day all day with my sisters with my dad and so I could do that and Carl came to me and just said you know in Carl's way like Olmstead you're never going to play outside hitter for me you're not you don't jump You don't you know but you can do this better you can pass better than anybody else so we're going to make you a libero and I never looked back and I, you know I'm glad I, I had a wonderful career because of that so Mitch is number one yep. alright two more um I'm gonna go with the guy that uh, Tion Taylor, and so he's married to a women's player um, that came as a transfer from Wyoming, and he's been he's another kid that has been a basketball guy most of his life down in Las Vegas. Yeah, played volleyball, really uh, newer to the sport, and uh, but can get off the ground. Touch is really, he's the kind of guy that you're going to, everyone's going to be excited to watch, can get up and, and move the ball around offensively, does a really, really good job blocking and just does a lot of things. And, um, he's another, another one of those kids that, uh, just is kind of one of the anchors for our team. So you're going to see a lot from him. And, um, and then I'm going to go with, uh, we our outside hitter last year that was alongside Davide, which is mix, uh, Romanis. And he's a, a NorCal kid. He is Latvian. He speaks Latvian at home. All, uh, on the phone with mom and Does dad. Does he is ever yell Latvian. at you in Latvian? No, no. he de- <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Good. But it's uh, all Latvian at home. He texts mom and dad in Latvian. He, uh, when he goes home, grandma and grandpa live with him. So he's got a, a passport and he spent all summer. Interesting thing is he spent this entire summer in Latvia. Uh, training with the Latvian national team. Really? Yeah. So, oh, wow. so that was great experience for him, and he's able to have uh, that, you know, quote unquote. I guess it would be dual citizenship, and so that's another name you're going to hear a lot from. That uh, no. so, a good cool so guy. What
1: position does Tion play? Is Tion a middle blocker, outside hitter, yeah, opposite?
3: What is he? Yeah, Tion's a middle. Tion's a middle. He's a middle. My bad. H-
1: how Tion. tall is Tion?
3: Tion's relatively, as it relates to the position, fairly undersized. Um, he's about six. I. I bet Tion would say he's six six. I would say he's six five, if I had to just be honest. Yeah, and he's got
1: to be able to jump out of the gym at six five to play that position.
3: He touches. Oh, I don't want to. Uh, I'm positive it's at least eleven foot nine inches, if not oh, wow. higher. So, I don't want to shortside him but but he's up there. And that, that I I say his height because he's going to say he's taller, I don't think he is. And so for that, <laughs> that uh that shows his physicality and that's why I believe a lot of people are going to really enjoy watching him play and do things above the net.
1: Well, I I you know, when I fell in love with BYU men's volleyballs when when an undersized I believe is outside what, um Ozzy Antonetti, Antonetti um yeah, who was flying through the air like Superman. Yep. And I'm like, there's no way that dude can play that position. But yep. he could just he could just literally fly like Michael Jordan. That's when I fell in love with volleyball.
3: Yep. Aussie Antonetti, very, very close friend of mine, and uh just uh what a wonder a wonderful human being. And I have his jersey in my office signed, nice. uh plaqued, and Aussie's just an outstanding human being and an unbelievable volleyball player. And he was I would say this too in front of Aussie. Aussie, I I would be willing to bet you're not even six feet tall, you know, and he's going to say, you're wrong. I'm six this or six that. (laughs) It's a credit to him because of what he did. And he played a position in volleyball that is even more, you really need to be even more physical. It's called the opposite hitter. You're going to get a lot of the junk to bail us out of bad opportunities. That is your role. The opposite hitters internationally are making all the money, you know, they're making, I don't know what you would correlate it to in football. Maybe almost not the quarterback. Cause we look at our setter like that, but you know, they're the guys that are, you gotta be a tough dude. And here's Aussie. He was a lefty and, um, and just his personality, pizzazz the hair, the excitement, and just to watch him fly. People loved mm-hmm. it. BYU yeah, volleyball. When oh, I got... Am
1: I wrong in saying he was way undersized for, for playing oh. opposite and, and, but, but I literally felt like he could fly and hang in the air. And, and he would he would jump with a lean like Michael Jordan yep. when he's dunking. Yep. Yep. And, and I just thought it was a thing a thing of beauty. So I, no, you're not, I don't know. You I, when you on. tell me that Teon's only 6'5", I'm like, okay, I got to watch this guy. Because he's going to be another guy that maybe is a little undersized for the position. Mm-hmm. But he must be a phenomenal athlete to watch. Uh-huh. So I'm going to really watch him this yep.
3: year. And Aussie, you couldn't be more spot on. More spot on. That's a perfect assessment of Aussie. And like I said, the Russians, the opposites, those guys are, I mean, they're seven feet tall, international level. And here's Aussie at that size. Just unbelievable. <laughs> BYU head volleyball coach Sean
0: Olmsted is on the Wise Guys tonight ahead of Friday night's season opener. Now, I have a favorite player on your team. Okay. Uh, Jared Brady. Okay. Jared was on my little league team. No way. In Las Vegas. I no. coached him and Ben, his older brother. Okay. And Laura, that the, was our team mom. Yep. And uh, and Travis was often our team sponsor uh-huh. for Brady Industries, and they're big sponsors of BYU TV Sports. Yeah. Um, Jared was uh, younger than the rest of our team, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to play in the. League of his age, he wanted to play up with his friends and his brother. Yeah, and so he was undersized. Yeah, and there were times when I I would have to talk him into going into the batter's box because we got some guy throwing some heat that I wouldn't even want to go in there, but uh, but he was a tenacious competitor and would never surrender the I'm too young, I'm too small, I'm not as big and as fast as as all these other guys and he just blended into our team and he was awesome but that's where he had uh, his development began and 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 then he took an interest in volleyball and and he got size and uh anyway he's one of the greatest kids ever born uh
3: and now he's now from one former head coach to his current head coach there you go you got a good kid there oh yeah i i could pull it up we just actually looked at this um i don't know what our time is and i won't take too much but um Jared, we marked him at, uh, gosh, it might be 45 inch, forty-five inches vertical. I, oh, I'm wow. Almost, I'm almost positive. And the reason I was looking through it is, uh, you know, we had this scrimmage out in Vegas. Yeah, and you guys had dinner at the house, right? And we, and we were in yeah. his house. And um, <laughs> then, you know, he, he played great the next day. And he was just, you know, getting up and getting, you know, contacting the ball at a really, really high point. And so we got some film of it, and we were going over, okay, you touch here, and this is your standing reach, and you vertically touch this now. And so we put the numbers together, and Jared was – darn it, I'm not going to be able to find it, but Jared was at 45. I was going to show you a picture. Um, <laughs> that, but that is ridiculous. Yeah. That's such a good jump. Yep, yep. And he's 6'4", so he's got
0: to have those hops to, to be in there and compete, yeah. doesn't he?
3: Okay, but again, Jared is not 6'4". Nothing against Jared because I love the kid. What is he? What is he? He's, I mean, Jared's a solid six three. Six three. Okay. I guess that's not fair to Jared because I love the kid. If his hair is spiked
0: up, he's six four.
3: I I do love the kid, so maybe I, I wouldn't. I'd be shocked if he was six four. Realistically, yeah. you know, shoes off, we're doing full nfl combine measurements let's go you know <laughs> so let's say of,
0: you're 6'3 you've got to have hops to get out there
3: that's what i mean and yeah. he does and so it's all credit to him i mean this is nothing but complimentary and uh but he uh i'd be shocked if he is 6'4 and it, again it's just more of a compliment to him his ability to elevate when he well, uh when he was coming in
1: 45 inches sean is the elite elite level vertical right
3: yeah no no No. 100 percent. yeah yeah when he
1: was we, coming we in. uh we have a guy for you um we think you should take from the basketball team a Tiki ali atiki <laughs> um he's 6'10 and uh you know I, it comes from west africa and uh we we're talking to the coaches and they were doing the touch test like you guys do
3: uh-huh
1: and and he touched 12'6 oh. and i was like yeah. that's ridiculous. That's and they ridiculous. go, well, we don't even know how ridiculous it is because the thing only goes to 12, six.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, th- I mean, 12, six is, uh, that's, that's pretty darn ridiculous. We've got a couple, we've got a 12, three guy, we've got a 12, three guy. Um, but, uh, you know, the, his wingspan I've seen him, you know, I've interacted with him. He's just a big physical kid and 12, six is pretty, that's essentially world class. Like, let's be honest. That's, that's an elite elite level. And, um, so, I'm just finding this but uh
1: yeah and, and what people what people need to recognize is um uh when, when they go out to watch a, a men's volleyball game um the level of athleticism that's the thing that always impresses me the most is the vertical um jump on on, on a lot of these guys with with the combined with their length uh-huh um is just it's crazy it's crazy yeah. athletic and the game is so fast at that level Yep. that really is fun to watch.
3: So there's Jared for you. I don't know if you can see it from there, Dave, or if I put it, I don't know where the best, uh, but there you go. There's Jared Brady hitting, uh, jumping 45 inches. So you can see it for yourself. Just to imagine goodness. how tall I am. And then he's jumped over my head. <laughs> and so you can see, there's a good shot for you to yeah. be able to see that.
0: This is cool. His parents are listening to the show tonight from Vegas. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And I know that, uh, that we just love the Brady's they've been They've, one they've been friends forever but they've been a big part of our development of BYU TV sports.
1: They've, yeah they, the Bradys have been so good to us and um, helping sponsor a lot of things that that we do We have a huge debt of gratitude to that family and their great family I,
3: I will I, I I couldn't say uh, you know enough good things about Travis like what a wonderful human being and just his the the generosity towards everybody and yeah. towards BYU yes athletics but also towards the campus community of what is mm-hmm. BYU. And yeah. so uh, I second that 100%, 100 hundred times over. We're glad volleyball is uh, a big deal in Las Vegas. There's a lot of Las yeah. Vegans that have been on your roster over the years. Price Jarman, we've got his little brother Cooper Jarman just off his mission. Price Jarman was, uh, was playing in a national championship. Leo Durkin was the setter that year yeah. in a national championship. When I won, Joe Hillman was our opposite when I was a senior. He, he was our starting opposite from Las Vegas. It's been a really, really great place for us. And right now we have one, two, three, four Vegas kids. Four Vegas four kids. Vegas That's kids. awesome. I yeah. did
0: sports down there for two decades. No way. And, I, I, I didn't know that. So uh, Vegas is a big part of, the, of our life. So and volleyball is different there than, than in Utah. Yep. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 what it's the sport you want to play. It's been the sanctioned girls down there. come out and watch that oh, sport.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> There's so many young young men, part- young boy, you know, boys, high school kids yeah. participating. It's exciting, you know, and uh, so it's been a really really cool place to recruit from. Good. Um, so do you know Dick's Jarman then? Yeah, Are absolutely. You, okay. All right. Yeah. So all those connections. I apologize. Oh, yeah. We never knew. No. And now we've got them. We That's need to good. hang out more often. Uh, uh, anytime, That's, anytime.
0: It's a Vegas. Vegas is great. It's it's the combination and Blaine and I talk about it all the time of the greatest people in the world living right next door to the worst. Yeah, it's and to the, the, the craziest place in the world. To figure out who's who oh, before man. you become friends. Oh, man. Yeah. You yeah.
1: Know, D- Dave and I called a lot of games for uh, for UNLV in football and basketball over the years and were part of that package. And Dave was at wow. KLAS yeah. for a long time. Had a wonderful career there. Yeah, okay. um, good and, place. Uh, yeah, so Dave's a – it's hard to go out to dinner with Dave in Vegas because everybody comes up and talks to him. There you go. And, and, and you don't get to talk to him, but it's
3: pretty fun. It's like so. Dix Jarman. Dix Jarman, I tell everybody, he runs Vegas. I swear, he's tied in to everything. <laughs> he Thomas runs the Mac family. He all runs of, a lot yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> he does. Well, uh,
1: it's interesting hey, we're, schedule. We're, we're, uh, we've got BYU head volleyball coach Sean Olmstead on the Wise Guys with us tonight. I had a Friday night season opener. Let's let's uh, talk about the schedule a little bit, Sean. Um, it's an interesting schedule this year, and it starts out with with Friday's game that we just talked about, and then another home game on Saturday night on BYU TV against Lewis to get you started. So, yeah. like back to back nights at home, how hard is that to play back to back?
3: Yeah, it's different. You know, we're the reality is we're we're used to it. That's how we've uh, when we get into conference play, we'll have a day off in B. Well. Excuse me, we we did go through that. When, when I played, it was back-to-back. It was always back-to-back because teams came out. They didn't have this massive budget to be able to come out to Provo for one game and then fly, like, if hey, if we're going to Provo, we got to yeah. play both there this year. Then it went away from it, and um, so there was a day off in between. And now I actually prefer it. We're back to the for the most part when we do get into conference it'll be one opponent okay uh, this is unique this weekend we had a good we had an exciting opportunity to host both Lewis and McKendry and then we got Irvine involved so yeah. the funny thing is is Irvine will be here playing and that that goes into what is the Smithfield house Niffin that's the head coach at Irvine he just loves it Really? I'd, he calls me every year, hey, can I come play up there? And well, NIF, we owe you in Irvine. Because if you look on our schedule, and two weeks later, two, three weeks later, we're at their place. But NIF's like, no, I love Provo. I love it. It's the best volleyball venue for my guys. Can I come out and play somebody? So it was so you this, got an
0: opposing coach recruiting you to get them on your home schedule. No, literally. That's literally. Awesome. And that
3: that he, I will say, he helped me get those other teams because those other teams were like, okay, hey, they didn't want to play each other because um, I think they're scheduled later on in the year. I, I could be wrong, those guys. But they were like, oh, great. Nif wants to play us. That's it, Irvine. This works out great. We get to come play you. We don't have to play you guys back-to-back. And we get to play Irvine, not have to go to their place. Right? Hey, we'll do it. Let's do it. Let's put on a fun little event here in Provo. And so that's kind of what it's, what it's become. Well, there's a stretch in February and March. You play six straight road games, yeah. starting
0: with UCLA. Yeah. And then you finish the regular season with eight straight home games to include yeah. Ohio State, which would be out of conference, out of conference Pepperdine, yes. USC, and Stanford, which is a great finish <laughs> ahead of the tournament.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's one of those things where, as it relates to our scheduling, we've always been a little kind of on the fringe because we've been a, out here in Provo, yeah. and uh, so the the scheduling cycle is. Plays itself out over the course of a certain amount of years, and this just happened to be a year where, hey, we've got to go on the road these first three, and you know, there's years like that happen, but it's it's the same. We get to end this yeah. way, and so I think I'd rather end with eight at home, wouldn't you? If you had to pick. Oh, oh yeah, 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 no doubt about it, yeah. and no doubt about it. Um, but everyone looks at that and goes, "Well, what's going on?" And you know, that scheduling in reality is outside of my control. The conference does all that, right? And so, hey we've got to go and we're going to, we're going we're gonna to play some tough teams on the road and you've got to be able to compete on the road. You've got to be able to go win on the road, uh, no matter what team you are. And so that's, that's all kind of part of the whole thing. And then, you know, build up to that opportunity to, Hey, we're back in town. And now we get to be here and uh, you know, continue to kind of improve and be at home and, and build those things uh, towards the end of the season.
1: Everybody asked this every year, Sean, but, um, but this is where you're at. Right. And, and th- I mean, this is a good question to get asked every year. Um, is, is this a team that can compete for a national championship this year?
3: This is a team that's, um, you know, you don't want to ever say like, this is a team that's going to be they're They're going to have their goal. They've, they've built their goals. They've had these opportunities to talk and build as a team together. And this is a team and a group. Let me say this, that, can, is going to be able to do some some really, really remarkable things. Uh, you know, mark my words, they're going to be able to go do that. But I do believe that this is a team that still is going to need a few more opportunities to be competitive at that level. Now, you say that, and any team can go do anything, but I also don't, I, I have, I, I sort of have, uh, and saying I have an issue isn't the right wording, but to just throw out, you know, Guys, get in there and go. Hey, we're gonna go win a national championship. No, let's 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 be in the right area and let's build from there. And so great things can happen. But but it's it's a very same approach that we had a few years ago when we kind of had the same feeling. Like we need these guys to be together for for a year or two because we have the roster that could do that. That the the right. the that the, that the the core guys could do that. And if they build the right way, yes, I believe this group could. Um, I, hey, There's a lot of freshmen and sophomores there, on your there's roster. There's young guys. That's the reality. And we're going to put some young guys on the floor. And we all know, being involved in athletics, right, we all know that experience is the master teacher. Yeah. That, that, right. that's, that's it. I tell these guys all the time, I said, guys, I'll put any amount of money and we can go down to the beach in SoCal or here in Utah, and I won't lose to any of you guys, because I just it, it, the experience of seeing the game, of understanding the game, of reading the game. I can go beat those guys on the on the beach. I can't beat them indoor. They're too physical. They're too. Uh, my body breaks down if I try to jump on anything yeah. hard surface. But I'll, I can go on the beach and the experience. That's why the young kids go down there, and the old guys that are born and raised in SoCal. These. Guys that play every noon, every day at noon on their lunch break, they're going to beat my, my guys day and night, and they're not going to swing at one ball. They're going to roll shot here and roll shot there and just pick apart. So um, that, the reality is any great team, guys, any great team at any sport, the, the, the experience of building together something, something together, that experience of competing together is so, so crucial. What did we see in the Jimmer years? What did we see in the years that I, that we won a national championship? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and the Ty Detmer years, that's the the reality. And so, you know, you do, you're always going to be competing and competing, but those are the special years when those things come together and then you can build from there. And yeah. So when, when when talent
1: and experience, when talent and experience match up is when you really have something,
3: right? Yes.
0: So. So you brought in some help. Otavio Souza mm-hmm. joins your staff, brings you some Brazilian firepower, yes, yes. former Cougar. What is, he, uh, what is he going to mean to this roster of youth?
3: Yeah, this is, that was, uh, I talked to Dick, I ran into Dick Jarman's son, uh, Price, that played for me, middle right. blocker, played in the national championship, went and played overseas in Brazil and in France. and was a remarkable player, middle blocker for us, played with the USA national team for a, a couple of years, actually. So I hadn't told the guys yet. You know, we were at the, at that event in Vegas, and I hadn't told the guys because it wasn't official because Otavio was still in his season with Cal. Otavio, the, right? That's yes, how you say that? Okay. Yes, and, and and he was still in the Pac-12 competing. So we everything got done. BYU was awesome. And their program was as well. Their head coach, of course, was involved, but not the players, yeah. not our players either. And so I told Price, and I said, hey, Price, this is who we hired. And he's like, man, Sean, that's a home run for our team and for our program. Because you see in Title IX more coaches leaving the men's game to go to the women's game. Really? You rarely see the women's coaches coming over to the men's game. Rarely, if ever. I lost Luca to, to North Carolina State to USA Women's Volleyball. I lost Jalen Reyes to Nebraska Volleyball. That's, that's where you're going because there's way more – you can't even compare the amount of opportunities. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds as it relates to women's volleyball and right. growth and men's volleyball is we're this small group. So, um, Otavio just, he brings a lot of things that I thought would be, I feel and felt, and we've already seen the positivity behind it. He's someone that played here at BYU. He's an alum that was a foreigner yeah. that was not a member of the LDS church. Um, that embraced everything about the experience at BYU and has embraced it for his entire life and nice. can never s- not talk about the wonderful opportunity he had. And so that's the reality. You know, we've been very successful with foreigners. Yeah. We've been very successful with uh, m- kids that are not members of the LDS faith, bringing them here. You know, getting them into our program and 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 a part of the campus community and so there's there was a ton of value for me to you know find that coach and like i said b y u was awesome as it relates to that, supporting Good. me and my decision to go, hey we want to go down this road and to be able to do that we've got to do x y z and I think we're seeing them do that with the football team right now though too yeah Both, uh, and basketball you know, and 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 basketball and so so that was a crucial hire for me, and he was uh Otavio just his experience and his time and, and the recruiting ties for us to go continue the overseas. And, uh, you know, we brought it, we have another Brazilian kid that just got here in December. And so, uh, he and Otavio are actually from the same state. We didn't, there was no connection before that, but again, that's, I was down there recruiting in May. You know, it's almost a yearly trip to go down to Brazil and, and have those opportunities. When you see the sign as you enter campus over there by the Wendy's, I think it is. Yep. Uh, the, world the world is, world our, is campus. our campus. And yeah. Enter, enter to learn. Go forth to serve. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. And if we look at the greats, you you look at we make a list of the best the 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 best men's volleyball players. We we can get in that debate, but you cannot deny the impact of the Antonetti's Right. Of on that same roster, NCAA national player of the year, Final Four player of the year, Hector LeBron from yeah. Puerto Rico. I remember Hector, yeah. You can't deny the outside hitter of that same team that was Joaquin Costa, Puerto Rican, and then Gabby Garcia, yeah, who played for me. Felipe de Brito Ferreira, that's played for us, Brazil, Mickey. Jauhiainen from Finland. And so you see the um and I apologize guys if I left anybody out but what I'm getting at is the 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 importance of those players to our roster absolutely. and those connections.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely it's been. So the world really is is uh, our campus when it comes to both men and women's men's and women's volleyball. Um we want to talk a little bit about the the Olmsted Uh-oh. um legacy here, dynasty. So vo- volleyball dynasty started with both you and Heather well, playing uh, the liberal position, let me, let me you at interrupt. BYU, let me Heather interrupt. at Utah State, of course, oh, okay. you take the women's head job in 2011, then you move over to the men's job in 2015, Yep. and Heather comes in and succeeds you as the women's head coach, Yep. and all she's done is amass the highest winning percentage in the history of Division One volleyball, that includes men and women. How much fun is this for the family to have both of you at BYU having the kind of success you're having in the sport you love?
3: No, I mean, uh, you know, (laughs) I, I can't imagine, you know, my, just the experience my parents get to get to have. And, um, it's look when I, when, when, when BYU approached me about going from an assistant of the women's team to the head coach of the women's team, I, you know, Hey, Tom came and uh, pulled me aside and sat down with me, and and then I just, uh, I immediately said, okay, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, excuse me, not immediately, I gave him my answer the next day, he said, get back to me, go visit your wife, and you've got to talk about this, Sean, right. uh, but this is what we want, Sean, and we 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 believe in you, we trust in you, we know what you, you can do, and so I came in the next day, guys, and I said, okay, but I'm going to go get the best assistant out there I need that support okay yeah 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 well that assistant is my sister Heather Olmstead <laughs> and she's at the U of U and there's nepotism policies in place right at, at BYU and, and which I get means that. you
0: can't just hire your whole family
3: yes and yeah. I, I I totally get that I understand that but I I said er, er, I am go. I I have to have Heather here okay I've got to have Heather here and she's an outstanding recruiter. She's just, uh, she played at a high, high level. Like you guys mentioned, she, you know, the Utah State was numerous years of her career ranked in the top 25. When does that happen with Utah State volleyball? I mean, right. uh, former alum, uh, excuse me, alum, current Rob Nielsen is the head coach up there doing a remarkable job. Don't get me wrong. But they were top 25. They knocked BYU out of the NCAA tournament. My sister. Heather, not many people know that I was there at that match. It's, it's outrageous. They ended their season, <laughs> um, and uh, and so hey, we've got to go. I'm gonna get Heather, and that I'll share some cool things. Like it was that wasn't easy. You know, it just had to go through the right the right channels, right? Yeah. And I and I recall uh, the timing of the of me becoming the head coach. Heather was about. She's the the assistant. At the U of U. We were. Getting close to double days, and I didn't want to, you know, hose another program by taking their assistant at that timing. That doesn't happen in college athletics. You know, you guys know the time end of football season, all the hiring and stuff goes on. You know, basketball, same thing. But this was just a unique time and a unique timing of the whole, the entire situation. And uh, I remember I kept saying like, "Hey, you know what's going on? What's going on?" And Heather was kind of, you know, because she and I were we were talking. We were like, "Okay, they we brought her down. We interviewed and." Someone was, uh, someone's like, Hey, this is just sitting on the president's desk. Uh, and it was the president of the church, not um, <laughs> the BYU. other president, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like, It's it's there, and we just need that signature, and and we're gonna go. And and Heather was everything that I, I anticipated her being. And in 2014, we made a just a remarkable run, one of the most memorable runs to the national finals, the only. Uh, unranked team to have ever done that in NCAA women's volleyball. We were not ranked. Um, we were not in, in that NCAA tournament. You guys know how that goes. We were not one of those teams. Yeah, a seeded team, I should say. Uh, and and uh, I won. I was fortunate to win. You know, the, be named the, the national coach of the year. And I got up there and I said, "Hey, the best coach is behind me." Heather's dude, like, she's the real deal, you know? And, and, and then when BYU came again, uh, this opportunity with the men's program, yeah. uh, there was, Hey, here's, uh, here's another coach that we have. We can keep things going and we can bring you over here to the program. You were a part of, and, you know, think about it. And um, yeah, look what Heather's done. What she broke some look records at both this of year. You. What no. both of you have done. No, she's, she's, she's an awesome coach. she, She's uh, really really taken that on honestly uh, like she has we had a, we had a phenomenal run to the finals like he, we were in the national championship Heather's returned to the final four yeah she's won what what's like six or seven conference titles in a row something like that I will say though I do hold this over her head <laughs> that most of that entire team that she went to the finals with which uh, final four was a said Heather hey my recruit, I committed her, committed her. But, 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 <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. No, but, uh, yeah, it's it's so exciting to watch her and, and so, be there and just for our family. Who sure. gives the most advice to the other person about coaching? No, not, we both kind of, like, Heather, sta- like, <laughs> Like you get a text I, I, after such, a game and there's no. Heather going,
0: what were you thinking? Why'd you no, do that?
3: No, <laughs> she'll just ask somebody else or say something. And then I hear through the family, like the, you know, the, the, the pineapple express or whatever we want to call it, the telephone game. Sure. But no, Heather's it's fun to, for me to be able to go in her practices. She comes into our practices cause we we're hanging out or we're getting things ready sure. or, and just to be able to have that, that connection with the programs actually is very very unique and my guys they know every women's home game at the end of practice I'm saying guys let's be here we're going to come cheer on the girls and they do the same so that's that's pretty cool and pretty unique that's awesome i i think we've all had chances a
0: lot of us have had chances to play in the little league teams with our brothers or or high school teams. Blaine's the only boy in the family, so that didn't that yep. didn't happen over there. My,
1: my sisters, I never got to play on any of my sisters' teams. That's it. <laughs> but that means so. everything. Well, how many sisters did you have? I have three sisters. Yeah, so. I got
3: six. So I got you beat.
1: Ah man, and I did. <laughs> I did play. I did play in high school football with my four cousins, all on there the same go. team.
3: There but, you go. But
1: but never, you know, didn't have any brothers to play with. Yeah.
3: So. Yep. So I feel you. I feel you. My my pains just, uh, you know. Are times, you the only boy two. then, Sean? I'm the only boy. Yeah. Six sisters and you're six the only sisters, boy. Six sisters. So you've. Man, said, my, my sisters call
1: me the crown prince. I don't even know what we can call you with six. No,
3: they, they for sure have never told me that. You're lucky. They do call him I, the I can't crown say prince. On air and they treat they, him like that. I, I I can't say on air the things they called me. So maybe it's a little <laughs> different there. That's so you, awesome. so
0: you said some nice things about Heather. What's the nicest thing Heather has said about you?
3: No, I. I I don't. I'm. I look. It's my sister. She's. I, I. know she's said wonderful things. I. Do I know exactly? I don't. You know. But like you
0: said, like, huh? She said that. Huh.
3: No. That's yeah. Nice. No. Heather. Like honestly, she's. Uh, she is one of the the best coaches. She is, hands down, one of the top NCAA coaches we have in our in the women's side, and she's shown that year after year after year after year what she's doing at BYU, being competitive uh, at that level. And again, just year after year after year. And she's, she's shown that. It's nice when sisters say nice things about you. I have five yes, sisters. Did. Oh, wow. I but I have I four other that. brothers, so I had okay. reinforcements. Okay, you had so – it was had, five against backup. five. You had backup. It was me. It was me. It was, it was Sean against the It's amazing the world. you
0: two turned out the way you did, uh, surrounded by that.
3: <laughs> Dave's family has an entire basketball team and a whole backup team. Yeah, they've got <laughs> – so, let's go. They're going to the big tw- – Dave's family's going to the big 12. We were in the big 12, yes, 12 long are. before <laughs>
0: it was cool to be in the big 12.
3: There you go. All right, Blaine, you ready with five questions? Yeah, let's go five questions, Sean. We're just going
1: to – Fire matchup. Oh, First man. thing that comes to your mind? You guys didn't starting even start with a heads
3: your up. favorite sports no. movie. Favorite sports movie? Um, oh my gosh! I'll go with volleyball. Side out, cheesy. Randy Stoklos, Sinjin Smith. Side out. If I, need a, I,
1: I don't think I've ever watched Side I Out. I've tried got that. Got one. to go
3: see it. Yes. So, <laughs> side out.
1: Favorite singer or band?
3: Uh, hands down, Bob Dylan. Really? He's oh, the greatest. Oh wow, yeah. we're
1: talking big time old school. That's awesome. That's
3: Bob Dylan. I've seen him huh? in concert. Uh, Bob Dylan, hands down.
1: See, I, I can go with that. I can't go with Dave's. Dave's is ACDC, and I don't know. I just can't go
3: there. So, <laughs> And a lot of people um, are going to be critical of Bob Dylan's voice, but musician, everything, music, songs, hands down, Bob when Dylan. You're, when you're He's watching a poet. The- Bob Dylan is one of the greatest poets of our time. Unbelievable. When you're Unbelievable. watching
0: him on stage, do you sometimes go, Is, is he gonna move? Yeah, so that you know they, he's still up I there. I will say
3: the the you know, going and seeing him live wasn't uh <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. I, I couldn't really the, not understand. The what AC he was saying. DC guys are all over the stage <laughs> just for the well, his performance quality is not Michael
1: Jackson. Let's just no, say that. No, so there you go. Um favorite breakfast cereal.
3: Oh, cinnamon toast crunch.
1: You know what? We have a lot of a lot of cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah. Thank Thank you for not choosing a healthy cereal because we don't we don't go for that. We <laughs> all go. like sugar coated. There you go. Dave is Captain Crunch without the crunch berries, which I don't understand wow. at all.
3: I had wow. some this morning. That's yeah. just so one I mean, it's just like it's like that. I, know. I don't know. And I go sparks.
1: and I go back and forth between Apple Jacks. Um Ooh, I like right. cinnamon. I like cinnamon toast crunch too. I think that's a really good one. Yeah. But uh yeah, and I like cinnamon life as well. So I'm kind of a yeah. cinnamon guy. Cinnamon there you go. For sure. Um your favorite BYU moment. It can be as a coach, as a player, oh. as a student. It doesn't even have to do with volleyball. You're just your favorite oh. BYU moment of all time.
3: Man, that's uh, that's a great one. And yeah, I I I think I'm gonna. Man, I've so so many. Sorry, I'm thinking about player. Is this like on a clock? Are we? Do we We're have good. like a buzzer? We can go until midnight. Okay, no. I mean, and I'll try to keep it on one. But gosh, so many. Honestly, so many great ones. And it, it goes between my senior year playing in Hawaii against Long Beach State for the national championship. We went in five. The score is uh, 19-17, which if you know, that's overtime. Or it's 17-15. I can't recall which. But we are down in that fifth set, 10-6 and 13-9. And in men's volleyball, that's it, because you only go into 15. Right. and everything, yeah. so everything is a point. And uh, we came back and, and won. so I'd have to go between that or uh, you know beating Texas in the national semifinal when you, nobody gave our, our, our group of girls a shot uh, to beat the Texas Longhorns in that national semifinal. And uh, our girls knew there was no doubt in their mind. And i we don't have time that I could tell you some stories, but they knew they were going to win that match. There was no doubt in their mind that they were going to win that match. Awesome. That's awesome. Sorry. So hey, those, uh, are, two, but those are two. Those are two. Those are two good that, ones. Those are two great yeah, ones. Yeah, your, went, my bad.
1: Your senior year experience, and this isn't part of the five, but I always am interested in this. When you're in that environment you're playing for a national championship, that, was there ever a moment when you took the time to step back out of the competition and take it all in for a minute.
3: Um, you'll get me emotional. So I'm not going to, uh, I gotta be careful. I don't know if there was a time in the game, but seeing my dad after for sure was that moment. You know, my dad is in the volleyball hall of fame and numerous hall of fames in Mm -hmm. California. And just that, that, that was it, you know, seeing my dad and, um, in the moment, in the, in the match, uh, maybe, maybe not that I can recall. Um, but, uh, yeah, seeing, seeing my dad in that moment. And, and I'll tell you guys as sports, you know, analysts and, and all that you guys do, that year we had played Long Beach State three times before that national final match. We played them twice at home, or excuse me, at their place. We beat them. In two, if I'm not mistaken, two five-set matches back-to-back. So we go to Long Beach. Mm. We beat them. Then we win. We get to host the MPSF tournament. We play them again in the finals of the MPSF tournament. So that's now that's number three. So we've now beaten them three times, and now we're playing them in the national final. And every interview was, you just can't do it. You cannot beat a team three, four times in a row. It's just against every sports logic and the experts and I literally I, I recall saying I recall saying I think it's the opposite I think it's on those guys they cannot beat us like man what do we got what do we have to do to beat these guys and sure enough the fifth set they are up 10-6 they're up 13-9 that's two points compared to our yeah six right. but and one play after another and there was no doubt in my mind it was like oh my gosh is this happening are you kidding me is this happening again you know that, that <laughs> it had to have been you know and so anyways uh yeah what, that's great.
1: what what a cool experience uh, the reason i asked you that sean is like um i always tell young athletes um they say what advice and i say hey when we need a big moment if there's ever a break in the big moment take time to take it all in because we forget to do that you know oh yeah. Um we, we were playing Michigan for the national championship. Robbie gets knocked out. I'm in the game. We're on national TV playing Michigan, mm-hmm. and I'm out on the field. And and I had just run the ball, and they were measuring for a first down. And I don't know why this hit me in my head, uh-huh. but my dad had always said, when you're in a big moment, you make sure you take time to stop and recognize it. So they're measuring, and it and that, that hit me in my head. And I stepped back, and I did a 360 and looked all around Qualcomm with that place just Unreal. jammed with 80,000 people. And thought, this is what I practiced wow. for my whole life. This is the coolest thing ever. And I was so glad my dad told me to do that.
3: Yeah, unreal. Well, I mean, that's so, so cool. So I always, that's so I funny. always
1: wonder if if people have have that moment because because it was really cool to have that in yeah. that moment. And you played for a national championship, and I and what you told me about the moment you had with your dad afterward is really cool. I love yeah. it.
3: Yeah. All right. So that was question. Was that three or four? Was that that man, was four? We did four. Okay. So, but I made the fourth one long. That's my right. bad. No, no, no. Uh, I love it. I love it. And the, and the fifth one is the favorite
1: thing about your sister Heather.
0: What's uh, your favorite thing about her? And and is she your favorite sister? How does that? How does that shake down? Ooh. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you don't I, have I, to answer I, that. I, no, no, no. I'll <laughs> answer it. Um, uh, no, I. I guess I won't answer. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the favorite thing about Heather. Yeah. Um, Heather's, uh, I'm trying to say the right words and this isn't in a bad way, just her competitiveness is, is why she's so great. I mean, Heather is just uber, uber competitive. Um, and it's in everything she does. And so it's, it's fun to see that you can be competitive you can be successful and you can, you can, you can be a a, a successful female in, in sports, you yeah. know, and, and do that. And, and it sounds, maybe sounds weird. In my mind, I understand uh, uh uh where I'm coming from, but my favorite thing about Heather is, is that, you know, she is Heather, <laughs> Heather's super competitive, you know, we know if they've lost a match which doesn't happen a lot with heather guys no it doesn't hey i'm going to go around i'm going to go around the back door to the smithfield <laughs> house uh i'm not going to go through the front lobby but um she she gets so much out of her team and yeah. she's done it every year and really really done a remarkable job that, in that sense fantastic BYU men's volleyball season opener
0: Friday night, 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on BYU TV against McKendree. And then Saturday night, same time, same place, BYU TV against Lewis. Head coach Sean Olmstead with us on the Wise Guys. Hey, we're proud of you. Appreciate how you wrapped the
3: this was awesome The why and and we're you're welcome here anytime oh, guys this is so cool and uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna go tell all my friends i'm gonna go to they we gotta I'm, have more coaches like hit me up let's go get these guys on there absolutely this is so cool. oh sean so we're, awesome. we're
1: so glad so glad to have you on with us this was just a treat for us we're really grateful you could make the time and to come into studio and i would have been there but I, I didn't know. want to cough on next you.
0: time next time next time <laughs> when amber whiting um was hired. Uh She came in, I think it was her first interview and she was really kind of nervous. Didn't quite know what to expect. And, uh, Trent, who we know from back in the basketball yeah, yeah, days, yeah, came yeah, with her. And, yeah, yeah. And she sat down and, and we just started uh, hanging out. And when we were done, I don't think she wanted to leave. Oh, this, it was like, like this is there's cool. no, uh, hey, we got 15 seconds for this next answer, <laughs> coach. And we're going to finish up a couple of things and we'll be done here in a couple of minutes. If you just want to hang out and then if we'll I just can, finish yeah, all together. I'm
3: not in any rush.
0: You bet. Blaine, let's go over the Cougars in the NFL on the final weekend of the regular season.
1: Let's go! Yeah, hey, this Sunday the Bucks at the Falcons with Tyler Algier, who has made a huge splash this season and is recognized one of the top running backs in the league. How about that? I think he's he... going to go over a thousand yards this weekend, maybe.
0: Yeah, I started him on my fantasy team last week, and uh, it was good. He's he's got such a great future, great attitude. Vikings, Kyrus Tonga back in action, taking on the Bears, and then the Chargers with, uh, as we discussed with
1: Ronnie Jenkins, with Kyle Van Noy and Michael Davis are at the Broncos this weekend.
0: Jamal Williams needs one more touchdown to tie Barry Sanders all-time single season record for the Detroit lions. He's sitting at 15 playing green Bay at Lambeau on uh, and, and they, I think if they win, they get in the playoffs. So it's all riding on Sunday for Jamal and the lions.
1: And he's about to go over a thousand is like both Jamal and Tyler have a chance to go over a thousand this weekend. And, and BYU never had a running back in the NFL, go over a thousand yards. They could have two. If things all fall into place this Sunday, how about that? That's awesome. Pretty cool. So, how about the Chiefs and Andy Reid at the Raiders?
0: Zach Wilson, not sure if he's going to get in or not. The Jets are pathetic without him, and they struggle with him, but that's the state of the Jets there at the Dolphins.
1: I know what you should do. You should take a quarterback that's 5 and 2 and bench him for no, you know, that's what you should do. That's what the Jets do. That's what the Jets do. How about the Panthers and Brady Christensen? who's got one of the highest pass protection grades in the National Football League this year at the Saints to take on Taysom Hill and Danny Sorensen.
0: Taysom just scores touchdowns. That's all he does. That's all he does. And sometimes he throws passes and blocks punts. So I guess he does a couple other things. He had a great week last week. Fred Warner and the 49ers are home against the Cardinals.
1: Fred having another tremendous season with the top linebackers, if not the best backer in the National Football League. And then how about the Cowboys at the Commanders with Dax Milne? Who's uh, still returning punch for them and gets in occasionally, at a wide receiver.
0: All right. Before birthdays, this day in history, and then we're going to start a new tradition tonight as we as we say goodbye for the week. Right. But uh, on this day, January third, seventeen seventy-seven, General George Washington's Revolutionary Army defeats the British at the Battle of Princeton.
1: Here you go. In eighteen seventy, construction begins on the Brooklyn Bridge in New York, and it was finished thirteen years later. I've walked to that bridge many a time in my life.
0: 13 years it took. 1938 on this day, the March of Dimes is established to fight polio. March of Dimes. In
1: 1941, American National Collegiate Football Rules Committee announced that a new rule permitting free substitution of players. So no more single platoon football. In 1941.
0: Changed the game. That was a big change. Changed the game. 1959, on this day, Alaska admitted to the as the 49th state. Can we buy it from Russia for something cheap? That was
1: one of the best deals ever. It's like 15 million bucks. I don't know. They obviously didn't know there was gold up in their hills, or did they? oil, yeah. 1981, Johnny Miller wins golf's first $1 million tournament. He beat Seve Ballesteros in a playoff to win the Million Dollar World Challenge in Sun City, South Africa. Uh, by the way, the purse for April's uh, Masters is $15
0: million. <laughs> Things have changed. Yeah, they've changed big time. They can thank Tiger for a lot of that. 1933, you'll remember this one, Coach. The Bills rally from 32 points down to beat the Oilers in overtime in the AFC wildcard game. It was the greatest comeback in NFL history until the Vikings rallied from 33 down three weeks ago to beat the Colts. There you go. Hey,
1: how about 1994? Steve Young becomes the first quarterback to win three straight NFL passing titles.
0: How about that?
1: That's why he's in the hall of fame.
0: 2004 Casey Kasem retires from hosting America's top 40 after 30 years.
1: I'm Casey Kasem. And this is the American (laughs) top 40 countdown.
0: You listen to that on the beach when you're playing volleyball, right? Every Sunday. (laughs) Every Sunday.
1: So, Hey, let's do some birthdays. Okay. January 3rd birthdays, 1892 J.R.R. Tolkien. 1892, of course, the great author of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings.
0: 1909, Victor Borga was born, comedian, piano player. That's right. 1956,
1: Mel Gibson, the actor, was born.
0: 1964, Cheryl Miller, born on this day, gold medal basketball star.
1: Who's the best basketball player in their family, her or Reggie? I say her. Probably her. I wasn't a big Reggie fan. 1981, Eli Manning's birthday, January 3rd.
0: Now, I do like Eli. I met him at a golf tournament in Vegas on his rookie season. He was there playing in the off season. He seemed to be nice and genuine then, and he seemed to stay that way throughout his career.
1: When, when he was in his heyday, I was in Nobu on 57th Street in Manhattan, and I, I looked around and I'm like, who is that enormous group of people at that table over there? And it was Eli. He had his whole offensive line out taking him out for sushi.
0: <laughs> that's, so, that's great. Um,
1: and, and like you can tell these guys about our new Wise Guys tradition.
0: Yeah, last year we ended with a Lavelle Edwards quote, and let's be honest, we ran out of Lavelle Edwards quotes. <laughs> so this year we're going with the uh, inspiring thought of the week, and that's how and we're going we'll to end
1: each show. Yeah, we're going to start off with C.S. Lewis, who always had a lot of wisdom, right? So, And here's what C.S. Lewis said. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. I love that i like that
0: that applies that's been used in numerous talks that applies it's to perfect. so many things it's
1: perfect for our first show of the new year yeah we can move forward and change change the ending um, i'm going to change the ending because i'm losing 15 lbs in the next two months that's what i'm doing i'm changing the ending
0: that's how that's going down Yep, i'm losing 15 i gotta do it there we go that sounds like you're trying to change the beginning but what did you- no because i got heard all from <laughs> sean all about these 45 inch vertical jumps and
1: stuff and right now <laughs> I'm so heavy. If I jumped as high as I could, and you could slide paper under my
3: sneakers, I'd be getting off the ground for me right now. Let's go. We've no better time than the present. Let's go. That's right.
0: Ronnie Jenkins on our show tonight, the fastest football player in the history of BYU, and uh, what a what a fine young man. He's grown into an older young man now from the Ronnie we knew as a as a player. Sean Olmstead, the men's head volleyball coach, first class uh, next week. Jimmer, and in two weeks, Danny Ainge. So. We had to get the big shots on before we went to yeah. Jimmer and Danny. <laughs> there you right. go. See how Appreciate that happened? That. Appreciate that.
3: <laughs> Appreciate that.
0: Hey, that's our show for this week. The podcast will be up tomorrow. Share it with your friends. We'll send you one. Awesome. You can send it awesome. to the family.
3: Excited. And, um,
0: and then you find us on YouTube and Twitch and and all of that stuff. And then Friday night, we'll see on BYU TV, it's a men's volleyball season opener against McKendree. And then Saturday night, Lewis and then Blaine, you and I a week from Saturday, BYU and Pepperdine in men's basketball.
1: Yep. And I'm not going to be sick by next Tuesday. That's my other New Year's resolution. I'm not going to be sick by next Tuesday. So I'll be still back sick, in the studio with
0: you. I'm sending the paramedics over if you're still sick. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. All right, man. Sleep well. Thanks, everybody, for guys. watching. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, guys.